0: This is a great podcast. I sit down with John Palmentary, an icon in journalism circles, not only here in Santa Barbara County, but really around the world. We talk about all of our stories. John Palmentary has been in this community reporting the news for almost 40 years. I've been reporting the news for about 20 years. That's a lot of ground to cover, but we have so much fun doing it. We were going to talk for an hour. We ended up talking for two and a half hours almost and we cover a lot of ground. Our stories, reporting, in the trenches, all the things we've covered over the years. And we talk about what's happening right now. What's it like to be a journalist covering the COVID-19 pandemic? And also there's a lot of pressure on journalists right now in terms of how they should report the news. And there's a lot of control that is attempted to be exerted on journalists. And so we talk about how you navigate that and all the pressures. And then John's got his own sort of circumstances being a celebrity in town. And there's a lot of attention on him everywhere he goes. So John talks about how he deals with that and what a day in the life of John Palmentary is like as he just tries to go out there and do his job. But we cover so much, so much of current events, a little bit of our stories from the past, and we drop a lot of names. So I think you're going to enjoy this podcast and I had a blast talking to him. So settle in and enjoy this podcast. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure I'm here with John Palmenteri, who's a local icon, and he's one of these people who can't walk down the street. I shouldn't even say one of these people. He's like the only guy (laughs) in town who can't walk down the street without people recognizing him, and uh, he's just totally an icon and a good guy, and I have known him for my 20 years in Santa Barbara, seen him cover a million different stories over the years and I love journalists, like journalists are my favorite people in the world. So John, Mm -hmm. I hope you uh, bear with me if I gush a little bit about you, but it's really an honor and a pleasure that you would take the time to talk to me for my podcast. And I'm sort of uh, looking forward to talking to you about a whole bunch of things and whatever you want to talk about. But how are you today, John?
1: (laughs) I'm excited to be here and thank you so much for those words. And I started in radio, as everyone knows, so I love just the simple microphone and not as much the camera and the glitz that I have on the other side of my life as well. And prior to that, I was just in newspaper writing. So I come from a variety pack of journalism back in the day, from the college newspaper, the high school paper, all that, when we didn't have as much as we do. So I love that I'm just looking at you and talking to a microphone, but knowing that all of your listeners are there and we're connecting in this very basic but still perfect
0: way to me as a reporter, we're we're super competitive, right? We're always trying to get the scoop and we're trying to be first with everything. But the number of times that you have scooped me, I mean, I've given up trying to even (laughs) be uh, competitive with you. I just sort of figure that John Palminteri's always gonna get it first and uh, that's okay. And then um, I'm going to learn about it that way, and he's going to make my job easier <laughs> because he's going to give me the story idea. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Let, let's talk, though, in real time right now. We are dealing with COVID-19. We're amidst this pandemic. We had the George Floyd killing, and so we've got a lot of national conversation about police brutality, and locally we've had some protests. So we're really living in this crazy, intense, controversial time. And I wanted to sort of ask you, what's it like to be a journalist right now? It's the best of times and the worst of times, <laughs> I guess,
1: if you want to take that phrase. The best of time, because the, uh, the issues are extremely engaging in all demographics. Whether you have a penny in your pocket or $100 million, you can have some similar conversations on the street corner or at the local coffee shop. And and those kinds of topics are perfect for journalists. It's a little bit of the worst of times in that there's uh, financial issues in the industry, a lot of cutbacks, a lot of good journalists are retiring or losing their jobs. And it breaks my heart, and I'm sure yours too, to see that. And I don't think the general public realizes some of this quality institutional memory, some of the real knowledge of how to tell and interpret a story is going to the sidelines because of the finances of the industry and some of the, the nuances of the way everything's fragmenting to, with all due respect, podcasts and, <laughs> and, and websites and uh, YouTube and social media and, you know, uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and anything else you can list on the list, which 20 years ago was a short list. Yeah. And there's so much fragmentation and, and bloggers and, quote, citizen journalists and more. And I just threw a lot at the audience, and I'm sure their head's going, what did he just say? Right. And that's what we have to deal with when we open our eyes in the morning. You know, what's going on in the world of reporting and who's doing it? And who are the invisible people that we don't even know that are breaking stories? Yeah. And that's a lot to open your eyes to in the morning.
0: Yeah, and you're, you're right there on the front lines, and you break stuff at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. You uh, obviously have lots of roles in this community. One of the things I've noticed recently is how you break news with a posting on Instagram, which is a, a new thing for journalists, and certainly journalists in Santa Barbara is being able to distribute your content and your information in that new way. Can you talk to me about your day as a journalist and how, how you approach things? Uh, I think that... A lot of people, when they see the outcome of the news, they just sort of think think it think it happens. Like it's just sort of there. Like a server serves you your food, and, yeah. and they don't really understand that somebody's got to find that and create that and sort of put it in a way for people to understand. And you do that all the time, all day, and, and you have a big following. So what's it like? What's a day like for you?
1: Well, I can start by saying on this part of my elbow, if you, you can see it, but the audience can't. Uh-huh. I have a pain. I think it's linked to my index finger. <laughs> And it's new, which means right. I'm using this hand more right. than ever, and I'm bending my arm a certain way, and I think I've actually injured myself. Exactly. <laughs> so, so if you can laugh over that and say, oh, my God, how much is this hand tapping a phone? Is he is he 14 years old <laughs> like the, the kids of today, or is he – <laughs> there was that story that came out
0: uh, about how millennials are growing horns. Did you see that headline? No. And they didn't mean horns on their head, but they meant that they're actually growing a little bit on the backs of the bottom of their necks from being looking down all the time <laughs> on their phones. Yeah. And it was like a study that there's like some the bone is actually, you know, kind of doing something there. But yeah, you know, it's a whole new way of moving the body. (laughs) And to answer your
1: question, it's a whole variety of pack of getting uh, some information. We'll talk about how we do that. And uh, how long do you wait before you tell somebody? And if I'm the nervous kid in the classroom that's twitching in his chair that has to tell you something or has that hand up going, "Oh, oh, I want to tell you something, I guess I'm that person. As soon as I hear something I think is interesting and I filtered it a little bit, do people care about this? Or who do I think cares about this? Are there enough people that care about this? Then I go to the phone and post it even before I generate some process to develop a full-blown news story for uh, radio or TV, where I work at KEYT and the other stations that we own, KCOI and KKFX, and then the radio, KJEE, Modern Rock, and KCLU, National Public Radio. And they all have their their place for different news stories, Some many overlap, of course. But to answer your question, this social media race to get something out either first or with enough verified information or gut instinct information, which is a whole new level I've accepted, um,
0: is a daily, hourly presence in my life. So how do you find something out? To, to somebody who's listening who doesn't realize how difficult it is to create, find news and be able to publish it. Do you get tips? Or are you looking on your phone all day? How do you find the news that you I would publish? Say,
1: I would say about 75% of it is self-generated. Mm-hmm. We do have a yeah, an assignment editor at the TV station. I do talk to some colleagues at Lance Roscoe at KCLU, uh, my news director there. And um, But that's about it. Um, most of it's me and my sources, and uh, I, I'm very uh, active with police and fire radio uh, frequencies and uh, the relationships I have in the community. Maybe t- tips coming the other way from social media. You see somebody posting something. And um, I think I just mentioned citizen journalists right. or the Ed Hatz uh, sites yeah. and – the NewsHawk site, I would say, I'm looking at just to see if there's something that has started there that I should know about and maybe dig on. One of my strengths is, though, hearing an initial police or fire call and recognizing that it might be big very quickly mm-hmm. and being able to interpret that and get there before a roadblock goes up or while the action is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to teach that with our camera crews that I work with. And to the point, I'm anybody who works with me in the first few weeks knows that that's very important to me to train them to be like that. And it's proven to be very good for them yeah. to know how to interpret a breaking news story and get the information gathered video-wise, get it to the station, get it on the air to the public. And it gets exciting to be there when the action's happening um, as opposed to afterwards when there's just blinking lights and – Everybody's wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel maybe it's just uh I'm wired this way. I say sometimes I actually feel really bad if I'm behind on something or I didn't get it right or I missed it entirely. Like, oh my god, how did I do that? Does that happen? It's do you an still have stories? It's an illness, I say. (laughs) Why should I feel that way? And I'm more and more today, in today's real world, trying to wean myself off that ledge a little bit more as opposed to being right there all the
0: time. It's not healthy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Like For for journalists who have been doing it a long time, we're wired that way. We're wired – to try to be first or try to get something unique. Yeah. And, you know, you called it, what, an illness? You know, it's it's a yeah. bit of a sickness. You yeah. know, it's sort of like this thing that constantly drives you. And it's kind of irrational because I think a lot of people out in the community, they just sort of get news. Yeah. But they're not necessarily, like, going to be like, Oh, Josh got it first, yeah. you know, sort of thing. They sort of learn to just sort of read everybody, I think, you know, yeah. and they, they come to expect you. So if you have, you know, five scoops in a day, you know, the one you don't get. I don't think anybody's saying, where's John didn't get that one, you know. You'd be surprised. <laughs> really. I, 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 I
1: come to enlighten you, Josh. <laughs>
0: there are people that
1: will say, why are there four police cars on my street and uh, somebody on the balcony with a rifle aimed that way? John Palmentary, where are you? And they'll uh-huh. post that on Facebook, tag me, uh-huh. and I've got to even be looking at my phone or whatever, and I'll look at that like, whoa, somebody's tagged me on something. Huh? Oh, we'll see what's going on. Yeah. And they're calling me out. Uh-huh. What does this come to <laughs> where you can't go to you know, dinner or church or walk on the beach without somebody saying, where are you? Mm-hmm. Or go on vacation. Right. Like, do I have to write? Hey, I'm out of town. I don't want to tell them where I'm at. know. <laughs> hey, <Well>, <laughs> or what I,
0: I'm doing. I do want to talk about your celebrity status and sort of the downsides of that. But before yeah. we do that, you've covered every major story in Santa Barbara for what forty almost forty years yeah. now. But I want to talk to you about a couple of recent incidents yeah. that happened. You know, you did post that thing on um, on Instagram where it was the. The police were making the arrest on on the African-American man. And uh, I noticed that, you know, and I was, there's lots of views there. Um, Can you talk a little bit about sort of uh, the impact of that or, you know, your decision to to publish that? Because one of the things you mentioned is you have to have that sixth sense. Like you have to know when do I roll on this and when do I stay in bed? Because if you roll on everything, uh, it, that's not news judgment, yeah. right? And sometimes you have to overreact. It's called an ambulance chaser, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and so you kind of have to. And over time, you've mastered that. Is no, that's news, and I'm going to get there. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, can you talk to me about sort of the 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 decision to publish that, and then sort of the social media fallout after that? That. For
1: the audience that doesn't know what we're talking about, there was a scene recently where someone was throwing chairs and tables from the new parklets on Figueroa Street onto the street in front of cars or at cars. And I happened to hear that there was a disturbance and someone and the parklets had just been built at Los Arroyos and Savoy and other places. And I said, oh, this is great. Now someone's taking the furniture and and throwing – them into the traffic. We were worried about a car running into them. It's the number one thing. I said, somebody's going to run into those mm-hmm. those parklets. Now someone saw I said, I'll go down there and see what this is about. And then they said there's been an assault. Then they say they're following the person around the corner and he's going up State Street. And so all I know is there's a person, male or female, doing all this. And the police says, oh. And I said, well, the police can't get to State Street because it's closed off now with the palm trees and and the promenade yeah. and I said this is kind of gonna be a you know interesting arrangement how they're gonna find this person and get in and then they staged at Annapamu the next stop and they said oh he's thrown a, he's thrown a punch at somebody in front of a, a restaurant on State Street too and he's throwing more chairs and disturbing us yes. they said okay we got him we, we got him up here at Annapamu and along the way they said it was a BMA blackmail adult That's the way it's dispatch mm-hmm. so now you're exactly right now I have to interpret. In the eye of this uh, nationwide um, scrutiny, um, how the police are going to handle this. And I'm still driving to the scene wondering, wow, um, what what is going to happen? Is this going to be one of those situations? And I'm going to be pretty close to on time if it goes down. Yeah. And a police car went by me and hung a right at Anapamu, uh, you know, at 75 miles an hour, fully lights and sirens, right? At, I was at the red light there. I'm like, yeah. you know, my heart's racing like, oh, gosh. Here comes some more. And people don't see this part of getting to a news story. They don't, and they they just don't sit in the front seat of the car with me. And this is after my shift. I'm on my own. I'm not assigned. I haven't even called my newsroom. I just have a gut instinct. I better go check this out. When I get there, they have him in cuffs. Everything looks good. He doesn't know who I am. And he starts saying, I'm not going into a police car. He says, no, I'm not going. I got into handcuffs, but he didn't. He was resisting going in the back seat for some reason. It got to that point. And I'm videotaping all this. One pause here, and I want people to realize this. As I walk to the corner recording, there's another guy who has his phone out on his bicycle. And he's yelling at a, a sergeant saying, you're an uh, effing racist, right? Yeah. He's, he's already got his phone up. And he's already shooting this. And remember, it's only been like one or two minutes since they've had it. Maybe one minute since they've had him in handcuffs. Yeah. I pull up and run there. And already somebody's calling the police on his camera, really loud, so the whole intersection can hear that they're you know, blank blank racist. And I'm like, well really? What what happened? Yeah. That was all this. I've been listening to this since he came up the corner throwing punches and chairs at people. Um, guy gets to the car, he could get the guy the car, he says, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm a little bit closer with the camera. He puts his feet up on the car in the air to push back, I've never seen this happen before. Right, and he goes, "I'm not going in," and then he yells, "I'm not resisting," <laughs> and I have all this on camera. Yeah. And then he looks back at me. He goes, "Oh, there's a camera here. See this? I'm not resisting." And then he says the classic line, "Why are you arresting me?" Mm-hmm. The guy behind me yells out, "Because you tried to punch me in the face." <laughs> and I turned around like, "What's this?" Right. And the audience doesn't see this part of the story, and it was the owner of Satellite, this bar, cafe. Front, yeah, out yeah, front, mm-hmm. And he said, that guy took a punch at me and I blocked it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then next to him is Tony Arroyo from Los Arroyos. Yeah. And he said, yeah, he called me effing this and flowery words. And he threw my chairs in the street and I'm the one that called 911. Uh-huh. And so he had a disturbance with him. So now you have victims present on the spot telling their story with two lines yelling back at him. Right. And, and you have four police officers. Now, this could have gone to the ground. All of a sudden, Sergeant Beecher and uh, another sergeant came up and just said, oh, time out. Let's just bring him back down and have a conversation with him. And the next thing you know, he just calmed down and he says, okay, I'll go with you. We'll wow. talk about it at the station. Wow. Like this intense, intense, heart-pumping thing just kind of calmed down. They de-escalated it. Yeah. To come full circle in your question. I posted that, and people thought that, and the, and, the, and the Instagram crowd was extremely agitated towards me, calling me all kinds of names, and I should have never posted it. And they were saying things like, oh, the police should get a cookie for doing their job right, and blah, 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 blah. The Facebook crowd kind of was a mixed bag, and, uh, but there were a lot of people more on Facebook saying, wait a minute. I don't see the police doing anything wrong here. Yeah. He was resisting. He was pushing. He was not cooperating. He had already caused a lot of really close calls on hurting people. And I still hadn't interpreted everything that happened. You know, he gets his day in court. But that's what was happening. Cut and dry with a video. Yeah. Now, they would have thrown yeah. him to the ground and put a knee to him. This would have gone huge right away. Yeah. So measure that. Right. All that's happening in the course of moments. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was an interesting response by them yeah. to call time out and just stand there and talk to him. Like, wait, 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 mm-hmm. wait. Okay, tell me. You know, here's why you right. cause the disturbance and those are the guys and you know that they're standing there. They're going to sign the papers. And I don't know that I was able to tell that whole story word for word like now. But when you, I don't think that's wrong to show the public that our police department at times can deescalate. I'm sure over time there's been much harsher Actions we don't see or may have happened, not under this chief and not in present time, but we have had stories in the past of things that have gone to court over that. I'm not getting into that. Can't measure that versus now. We're in the now. Yeah. This was the now. And I, and what better way to watch it than that everybody look at the same thing?
0: And the criticisms were that you shouldn't have published it. Because it was an African-American man and a police interaction? Like you just shouldn't have published it at all? Was that what the, the criticism was? I don't was? think I, I – I heard one that said,
1: uh, you know, it would have been okay if he was white. Yeah. Nobody wrote that. So yeah. I, would, I would say that that was probably the reason why. Yeah, And some of it got personal and I just said this was in the heart of downtown. I'm saying to myself, this is at the time when this was the pinnacle of this issue in, in, in America – And it was a police department that could have gone either way. I mean, what better example of here's what's going on in the streets in real time? Did they have anything better? Is anybody else posting anything else shows police activity and how it is in real time? I hadn't seen anything around Santa Barbara that was like that. I thought it was actually a good Piece of video to converse about, not to call the reporter out as being wrong for showing the public what they're paying for in the way of a police department, yeah. or who's really on our streets. And keep in mind, actually, at the end of the day, I said this guy is pretty talkative and lucid. I and I guess his track record wasn't that he wasn't that bad of a guy, but he had had some interaction with police before. And I, I actually told people, you know, I don't that you know he maybe with a little counseling and some assistance from. Whatever he needs, he'd probably be able to get back in the right groove in his life and not have these instances happen. I don't know. I just felt like he wasn't a long-term criminal that was doing this. I don't know. And to me, I kind of felt like there was some solution there. felt good that, that he – well, two days later, he was back on State Street okay. disturbing again from what <laughs> I I'd heard. Same right. guy. But he gets let out. One other thing I want to point out is that people don't realize that there's approximately 300 people on the street locally that should be in jail. Okay. And that's a story that isn't widely reported because we're supposed to have nine hundred and something in the jail. We have five fifty, I believe. Right. And so, so where
0: are they? And what right. are they doing? So, you know, being released cause of cause, cause of COVID, yeah. you mean? Yeah. So yeah. where are they? Right. Yeah,
1: and they are they have committed crimes that would have required them to be in jail. Yeah. So you know, it's nervous time out there.
0: Yeah, and I as a journalist, I think what people miss, you know, is that the fact that you cover that story they just overlook the whole thing. Like I, I'm, I'm bringing this to you. You know, that's a journalist who's saying, "I think this is news. I'm right. going to be there. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going to cover it." And then people just sort of criticize, and they don't really realize how what a judgment call in the moment it is. Like, would you prefer that journalists never cover anything, and then you just never know? But because you have to make these decisions in the moment. And, yeah, and it's
1: hard to have that answer on social media.
0: Right. It's you can't. Yeah, you're a no. this. Take this
1: <laughs> this s down. You know, that's, you know, effed up and all that. Uh, And it goes on and on and on. These are all these little cheap shot one-liners. And then they come up to me on the street and say the same thing. They've interviewed – I was interviewing Oscar Gutierrez, city council member, about the Westside weekend uh, deal they're doing over there. And somebody came up and interrupted us and and brought it up. This was two weeks later. Right in the middle of an interview I'm doing with a city council member, Uh they thought they could come in and yell at me. Yeah, that's that's, that's, – And you say, oh, it's so glamorous, John. (laughs) Right. Well, being well, out there. And then you get this. And I've had my close friends say, you ever thought of taking it down? Because we're a little we're a little worried. And I said, I'm going to let it play out a little bit and see. Um, there's a lot of things I'm saying here or measuring. And it's happening in Los Angeles, too, with journalists. You know, you have to be a little brave. And it's a small town.
0: I'm, yeah. you know, I went out there you have to be brave and i think that that's one of the things that i try to do is educate the public as much as possible about the difficult job journalists have and of course there's journalists who are in very perilous situations mm-hmm. around the world and that's a little clearer for people yeah. to understand like a but, war
1: zone and yeah
0: exactly you know and, and but journalists every day in america are constantly in difficult Situations, and you deal with more rude people yeah. nowadays, and uh, people who uh, will will sort of try to stop you from actually physically doing your job. You know, when I'm covering the protests recently, you know, there there's a lot of distrust of journalists, and and just the fact that they they don't necessarily understand I'm here covering it. They just sort of see you as part of the enemy. You know, part of. So the, let's talk know.
1: about that. When I walked up to the dolphin fountain with. 2,000 people there for the teen demonstration. I wasn't there one minute with the camera rolling and someone got in front of me. Do you have permission to shoot this? Yeah. Yeah, there's 2,000 phones up or something. Everyone else has got it, but because I've got a press pass on or I'm known that it becomes uh, a point of attack. I mean, one minute. I mean,
0: literally got from the signal to the center of the street and somebody was in my face. There's a lack of education and understanding and it's it's everywhere it's in our k-12 schools of like the media literacy is that first of all we're in public yeah. so you know i don't need permission and there seems to be a perception out there that like if i'm the subject even if i'm in public i need to give you yeah. my permission to be to be photographed yeah. or to be to be videoed and that's That's part of the daily education and struggle that journalists have to do, you know. And I I was out there that day and there was some journalists were harassed and uh, others sort of looked at a little bit. And, you know, you just kind of have to keep doing your thing until, um, you know, you can't do it anymore. But that's sort of about the the challenge of that. And and if
1: you take it one more step, when we got to the police station, they all yelled, take a knee. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yeah. So who are they yelling that to? Everybody? They're definitely yelling it to the police department. So they wanted the chief to take a knee, which they did. The chief did, the captains did. The chaplains did not, and that upset a lot of them.
0: Yeah, the police chaplains, right, yeah. And
1: I don't know what was going on there, but everybody has a choice. Mm -hmm. But if you were choosing to just stand up, say, I have friends literally say, I only take a knee in church, to genuflect, to God, that's... When I take a knee, I don't take a knee because people are yelling at me to take a knee or if I don't exactly believe in the whole interpretation of that. And that puts you right in the spot of now what? Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Now You and I were running around with cameras and they didn't really target us. But think about that. Mm-hmm. What if they look at you up there next to the chief taking a picture of her doing it and you're not taking a knee and they said, take a knee. Take a knee, right. Do you do it because you're under the pressure? And you say, I'm just covering this. I need to stand up. Or yeah. I have a bad knee. I mean – think about that it goes through our heads about people wanting us to get out of here, get off on my property, mm-hmm. take a knee. Uh, don't shoot the fire. Don't shoot the car accident. Don't be where the news is on your terms. You have to be in the, where the news is on
0: our new terms. Right. Yeah. That's very scary. It's, it's really it has scary. to be
1: interpreted in, in the moment. Exactly. Not over a discussion
0: <laughs> or over the law. Super scary. Sergeant Mike McGrew, I talked to him about that. And, you know, he said, Religion, I only take knee for Jesus. Yes. What he had said, you know, and he he stood his ground there. And so it's very, it's very difficult. covering those three protests. There were lots of knees and there's lots of yeah. orders and, and demands. And, you know, you're just there to get the story. You know, that day you're talking about, I um, was moving. I was, like, constantly moving, trying to capture a document. Because now that, you know, in this day and age, I'm also a photojournalist yeah. now. But 10 years ago, I was just yeah. taking notes. And now it's like – I. Photography is what I have to do. Your Photos sometimes
1: help you look back at what the signs say and uh-huh. a different reactions. So I've, I've gone back and looked at video and things and, and seen, uh, you know, and for us, just to actually point out one quick thing, we had to go through that video and we were using different shots to make sure there wasn't an, a, a foul word in there because there was a lot, a lot of bad stuff being written. Bad stuff's okay. Like, uh, you know, but I, I don't know where you draw the line. Do you, do, will you let a sign that says kill the pigs? Go in your shot. Yeah, that isn't an F word, but that word is in there. And then I we we had pretty good video in one of our stories, and we went through it really slowly three times. Yeah, and all the signs looked good, so we couldn't go in the air with it. But somebody's stomach in the third look, somebody's uh, had like a shorts and a and a and a halter top on and the F word was on her stomach.
0: Oh no, I didn't and when see she that. St- when uh-huh. the video
1: frame, when she stretched out, you could read that word. Oh wow. And, and we said, we can't put that on the air. We had to re-edit it. Oh wow. Because okay. somebody would see it. We can't put that on the air unless it's really live and we can't avoid it. Yeah. And then we apologize. But if we can avoid it, stuff like that and you're taking pictures, you got to make sure your big, broad, news hawk photo doesn't have something you shouldn't be putting on the air. Exactly,
0: yeah. So let's let's talk now about the other incident you were involved with recently, which was the push, right? That's what people call it. You know, you're doing your job, you're doing your work, and somebody tries to interfere, interfere with what you're doing live on camera. And uh, this obviously got national attention because you're a celebrity. Everybody knows who you are. Talk to me about that moment and what happened. (laughs) I'm on State Street doing a a story about the business uh,
1: issues downtown. and At the moment, I was going to go live and this would be in February, before COVID and everything. uh, The moment I was supposed to go live, I'm looking right at my camera. I've got the earpiece in. I'm listening to the anchor talking and they're introducing me. and. As a reporter, you're getting your words together. A lot of it's memorized. That intro is memorized. So you want to be strong, direct in the camera, have some confidence in your sentence. You've worked on it all day. You're introducing your story, which is recorded, which is my story that night. And right on the cue, somebody comes up from behind me and is on my left shoulder and is trying to get a selfie. That I could see a camera coming down in front of me. And um, I... Uh, was bent down a little bit, and I launched this person off. Of I with two hands under their rib cage and pushed them, and uh, it got caught on camera. The shot had been taken from the studio up at TV Hill. Mm-hmm. They know that if something's going on that looks bad, or if bad language is coming out, or if we're in a, a horrendous situation, that the, not to take the shot, or to cut the shot out, or not to continue to go with something if it's gonna be bad to put on the air. But we had, no one had any knowledge this was coming. Sometimes someone will come up to me when I'm about ready to go live and say, can I get a selfie? And I'll say, just a second, when I'm done here, I'll be glad to, or, oh, I'm not on for three more minutes. Let's just do it. There's a lot of wiggle room. And this was not known to me who was behind me if they were going to um, say something really bad against the president or religion or something, use foul language, hurt me, um, be psychotic on me or whatever. I don't know what's going on, and I have zero reaction time to interpret all this because I'm about ready to put to talk. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even a 10-second gap to think. This was a zero-second gap to think to me, and I launched this guy, and it happened to be a teenager at the local school <laughs> – And he left before I had to go on the air. My earpiece came out. I put it back in. I gathered myself. The anchor somewhat stretched a little bit, and we came together. And I was definitely unraveled, held it together good enough to get the story started. And I'm like, what the hell was that all about? And the cameraman said, where'd that kid go? Some time elapses, and we tried to figure out who he was. While I'm on the air, my phone is already ringing, and text (laughs) messages are coming. And that shot had actually been taken on the air, and people had it on their TVs at home, and they went back, froze it, shot it, and sent it to me, and I'm seeing me push this tall 17- or 18-year-old off of me on live TV, and it's in my hand while I'm still on the air. I'm looking at it like, oh, my God, that got on the air. (laughs) And then in my earpiece, they're saying from the studio, are you all right? You know, what's going on out there? Uh (laughs) And that is just – that was just a friendly kind of a – Jump the jump the reporter selfie. Normally people ask. He didn't ask. Never said a word to me and went on. Down the road, it appears that he posted on some frat page. And I forgot the name of it. And it says, he got the shot. And it shows me pushing him. And he's got his selfie picture on there. And that's how we got his name. And since then, I've talked okay. to you know, his associates and friends about his thrill for doing that. But we've never <laughs> had a conversation. And I would say... It was probably in good nature. He didn't know he was at the exact queue because he would never have known that. He just knew I was about to go live, and we didn't see him coming. But what in the real quick in the bigger picture, being intruded
0: on the air is a very big concern these days for safety and for protecting the product. When I'm around you, when we're at common events that we're covering, I sort of, like, if I actually get some one-on-one time with you, I sort of know that it's not going to last because everybody comes up to you. You know, everybody wants yeah. a piece of you, so if we might be talking for twenty seconds and I know, oh, here comes somebody over here, and they're not going to say the name they want to talk to John. Can you talk a little bit about like what it's like to to be you uh, uh, you're uh, a legit you know journalist like you know your stuff, you have all this history, and you take your work super seriously, but you can't even walk down the street from what I can tell without being noticed what's that like
1: it's it's a combination of having to be um You know, the journalist, like, especially if I'm working, it's like, I'm on something right now. I'm on it. Mm -hmm. And they know when I'm on it. I'm moving fast. I've got a notepad, a pencil, a microphone, a police scanner. I've got the look in my eye. I've got the pace. I've got the cameraman. I'm going somewhere. Um, At the same time, you don't want to be too much of a jerk to people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And some reporters truly are just cut and dry. Don't have time for you. And that gets around in social media. He says that. And people say that on social media about me now. He's, he was rude to me. He was this. He was that. Mm-hmm. He's never been nice. They will say all these things. And I'm like, I don't even remember those situations. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't get out of bed to not be nice to people. I'm not wired that way. I'm happier than I am sad. Um, okay. But they don't know what's going on in my head or if I'm, again, chasing a story or if I'm on a deadline or if all that's going on. That's the work day. Okay. Right. The outside of work day is similar at the grocery store. I have to shop at night sometimes. I didn't I didn't ask for any of this. I'm not walking around with a sign on my around my neck. I'm not walking around with my press credentials all the time on this is I'm just trying to live my life and but I have to understand that you're on a lot. Um, it's happened out of town a little bit, on vacations. People from Santa Barbara County will be on the same cruise ship as me, or on the same air in the same airport, yeah. and in, in you know even in Europe uh, I've only been once and it was you know things like that. But it's you not got like, recognized in Europe.
0: Yes. What did they? What was that all about? Airport or so? Somewhere? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You
1: know, they flew twelve hours basically from here to the, the drop spot was Italy, and then I took a train, and it's when I got off that train station uh, by Rome or wherever it was. Carolyn Wood I'll even say her name was a realtor in Carpinteria Mm -hmm. I was with my sister at the time and she went to the bathroom and missed the whole thing and almost to this day wonders if it's a true story (laughs) Carolyn Wood comes up and said are you John Palminteri? (laughs) and I said yes and I haven't traveled far enough away from home apparently my son recognized you he's studying abroad in Florence architecture and I came to visit him and we recognized you and I had been waiting just off the train for my sister to go to the bathroom so I was there that long. Wow. And, that's, and little instances like that have happened from Hawaii to New York. and But I'm not that person. I'm not you know, Jimmy Kimmel or somebody at that level. But somehow in Santa Barbara, well, you know, Santa Barbara goes around the world. Yeah. And now that was before, by the way, social media and, explosion. Now social media, you know, you're
0: pretty recognizable. Do you take a selfie a day or how many people will wave to you or say, hey, John, or somehow interact with you? Yeah, it's pretty common.
1: That, yeah. and, and if I'm you know, with friends or on a date or whatever the case may be, I have to kind of tell them there might be some intrusion. A funny story. My brother is uh, uh, in Orange County. When he comes to visit, wants to go to dinner, he goes, can we go somewhere where <laughs> no one's going to bother us? <laughs> Uh-huh. He's so, so kind in his statement. Lately, he's been a little more uh, firm about it. <laughs> so right. I'll say, hmm, there's a back table at a Montecito restaurant. I might be able to, because there's no way we would sit on an outside table at Joe's Cafe on the corner together and eat it'd Be mean, a parade it'd of people. Be reckless. Huh? Yeah, it'd be yeah. crazy. But at the same time, I shouldn't assume that. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's beyond what anybody should think about themselves.
0: How do you stay humble and sane? I mean, in my experience, like journalists tend to be introverts, at least in the print world that I've been involved with mostly. Uh, We're we're introverts, but we have something to say. And, you know, we never had an outlet. And then we found journalism and we want to tell other people's stories. We want to tell the stories that we're really curious and interested about yeah. and we find our voice through our journalism, but we're generally like not real comfortable with being the center of attention, you know? And so what's that like for you? I mean, I think people sort of must think, oh man, this guy's the most popular guy in town. He can go anywhere. He can do anything he wants. Uh, what What's it like when you have that kind of attention all the
1: time? They, the line that comes out the most is, oh, you never have to pay for anything. Wow. <laughs> and those who go out with me, like if you and I are to go out to lunch more often or something, that's all I'm doing is offering to make sure. Granted, when you're doing certain news stories, somebody wants to give you their soap product or their, their you know, environmentally friendly container or what have you, I get that. But I always say, I'm not doing this story because I'm getting that that you want to give me. And I say no 10 times before they finally shove it on you. Yeah. And a lot of times if I get too much of something... A food product or whatever, I bring it back to the staff. Right, but I said this was generated because we had a conversation that I started, and I was interested in your product or your whatever. And same at restaurants and bars and all that. And it doesn't happen that much, but that isn't what happens with me. I bring out the card or the money, and I'm saying I'll pay for it. Yeah. You're paying for this, and uh, if they good. comp the appetizer or so Okay, yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's not like. You're getting $200 dinners every night for free because, you know, you like the Miramar or something. Okay, Get that off the table (laughs) right away. Okay. Okay. Um, So, you know, I hope that kind of frames that that's, you know, my picture of a journalist still is a – a, a trench coat at the end of the bar with a stiff drink and the and the and the source yeah. whispering in a in a dark uh, you know Mel's bar in exactly. the corner to get the story. Okay, <laughs> uh-huh. and I still see that in my head because I'm from that era. Right, and and I come out of print, which is fascinating. Even the old journalists of L.A., the Cleet Roberts, and um, you know these old. LA journalists, the Stan Chambers, you know, I kind of think that's how they did it in old LA. You know, they had their city hall sources mm-hmm. and, you know, those sources don't exist as much as people think anymore. The staff people are there, but not, you know, they're just not like they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think they're pretty much under the thumb of those in charge of them. They're worried about their jobs in the future because jobs are extremely fragile right now. Yeah. You know, I don't know a lot of people that really say, oh, I got so much job security. I got nothing to worry about. Uh-huh. Yeah. No one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Think about it. I mean, the city's frozen. The counties, you know, everybody's, you know, they're acting like their budgets are okay. But these people are, are hardworking people and they're doing the work of four people. Mm-hmm. And so your sources that don't want to lose their jobs and they're not talking that much. Right. And I'm not sure if I totally am answering your question, but, you know, um, it's – There's a lot of dynamics in, and once you go on TV and you're wearing a suit and tie, more than more people in town,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, you just have a different persona. Yeah, well, you know, I do uh, Jerry Roberts Newsmakers thing, and that's, you know, that's something he does on his website, and it's on YouTube. So the distribution is like minuscule compared to what you do, and you know, for years, no one would come up to me unless I knew them and met them before and say, "Hey, Josh." But ever since I've been doing that show, and this is like a very small platform compared to you, I'm in the grocery store. Right. Are, are you Josh Molina? <laughs> and so I can't imagine. Yeah. You know, and When that happens to me, you know, it's sort of like, oh, that's kind of cool. But if it happens too much in a week, it's, it gets annoying. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. I can't imagine. I say know. that afterwards a lot. <laughs> Do I know that person?
1: And people will honk and go by, and yeah. they go by so far. You don't know if it's your neighbor down the street or someone you've never seen before. Like, who was that? Yeah. But you don't want to not acknowledge them because that gets worse. Right. So that's the life. There's a lot going on on the radar out there. I don't know, as a teacher, how you would teach that to young, excited journalists about all these dynamics that are in their world that we didn't have to deal with 10 years ago. And it's as recent as five years ago mm-hmm. or you know even closer than that. We did not have to deal with this. And you're teaching... You want to be a journalist to stay focused on getting this right before you look at the big thing. And in young TV reporters, we tell them, you know, it's not all about the cameras and the lights and the makeup and the, the the presentation, although that's very important. But, man, you've got to know the nuts and bolts. Yeah,
0: it's difficult. And I've seen the change because I've been teaching at City College. This will be my 12th year. In the last three years, I've seen a change where – Journalists are constantly told, student journalists, how to write a story or or not to write a story. Or you can write a story under these terms and these yeah. conditions. And because they are 18, 19, 20-ish, they also grew up in that generation where they're super sort of um, conscious about not offending anybody. And that whole cancel culture. And like they're concerned about well, what if they do this? Or what if they protest? Or what if they say bad things about me on social media? And so that's a new thing where you have to sort of remind them that the training you're learning in the classroom is something you have to apply in the real world. And it's not easy. Like That's part of the job is that you have to deal with people who are going to get mad at you, who are going to threaten you, and who are not going to understand the job that you have to do. But what I try to tell them is, You're not really writing for today. Like you can do your best for today, but you really want somebody 10 years from now be able to look back and say that was what was happening in that moment in history and know it from all perspectives. You're writing for people to understand what it was like. We document history. Yeah, and so you want someone to look back and know yeah. what was real. Yeah. And this you is not a Neil Graffy book, our
1: town historian. <laughs> yeah. But we're doing documenting history in a different way. Yeah,
0: and, and you have to be true to it. And it's not for everybody. A lot of people just don't like being the focus of any kind of negative energy. For you and I probably uh, – You know, it's sort of, it almost empowers you a little bit. It motivates you. Like, like, No, I know that there's not a lot of people doing what I'm doing, so I have to be able to pursue this, and I have to publish it, because the the more you allow, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, this happens from really the extremes. doesn't matter, you know, uh, political extremes. They try to control it, and and you just sort of have to say, I'm just doing the best that I can, and I'm doing my job, and uh, you have to be comfortable being a little bit disliked. Yeah. It's just how. But in time, some of the people who are mad at you, they'll come back to you later and be like, "I'm sorry. I get it now. I understand." And yeah. that feels good, too, as well. Uh, can we talk about a little bit about you away from the camera? I mean, we talk about you know you can't go out, you can't eat uh, without people sort of recognizing you. But w- you know, w- what is a day like for you when you're just enjoying John Paul Terry time? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm not
1: married. Um, and I, uh, it, it have not been, it was, you know, I've looked at my life, um, that I've not been, there's certain parts of my life I've not experienced. i have not, you know, I was not a parent. I did not have children, not get married. So, so I've had that route in my life. I think it's important for people to know that's maybe why I have a little more time to do This um, uh, Even off hours. If I am off work and something is intriguing to me or I think I can use during the week, then I go back on with my own camera and and, uh, we'll shoot a, a weekend event or an interview and I'll use it during the week. So sometimes when I'm off, I'm on. It's been a little bit different with COVID as far as going out, but I'm pretty well known downtown at some of the social places to just interact with people. I just love to like take a deep breath and talk to people and be friendly and jovial, whether it's the Red Piano or Joe's Cafe. I go to gaucho basketball games and become friends with the coach, mm-hmm. um, and I like that, uh, and I like to see who's there and, and just be able to smile and tell stories and talk and do that. Um lately in the most recent years I've been getting a little more fit <laughs> mm. and trying to make return a lot of phone calls while walking. Would yeah.
0: you do like a low carb thing or yeah. I
1: stopped eating like a guy, I said. Oh, actually, I
0: remember now. I asked you that one time, and you're just like, small portions. That's what you told me. Yeah, that. small portions. Yeah. And you
1: start eating like a, stop eating like a guy, which is like, <laughs> I'll have four, five pieces of pizza, and I'll eat a lot of Dave's dogs, you know? Yeah. No offense, because they're the best hot dog around. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with every bite, I worry, I think. And <laughs> I guess the older you get as a male over 60, uh-huh. which I've done, <laughs> which I, st- I never thought I'd, you know, you never think about this stuff. You just r- run and gun. but." that's not good for me and so i've just tried to make sure i'm careful about diet more careful it's just so hard as a journalist it is just so hard people don't understand you go to a brush fire you don't have you don't know if you brought food with you you don't know if you have you, you know you got a bottle of water probably you don't have a bathroom you're out there on top of Figueroa mountain you don't know when you're coming back people don't realize the dynamics of uh the the You could be in 30-degree wind on the top of East Camino Cielo on something. You could be in the mud flow for hours. There's so much that strains your body. So I've tried to, like, when I can, take care of my body so it's ready. And with COVID, I'm really concerned about making sure I have as good a defense as I can in case we get it, that I don't have uh, an attack on my lungs or heart. Mm -hmm. And we all should, but some are stronger, and I don't think I'm as strong as I was, and I'm not about to play with that. Um, I do wear a mask a lot, not as much as my colleagues. I don't wear one on the air mm-hmm. when I'm broadcasting unless I'm around people because I want you to hear me. Yeah. You hear me fine now. Yeah. But if I put the mask on, it's muffled. I don't. We're not required to. Yeah, We're required to every other time. But if nobody's around us, we're not required to. Yeah, yeah. And I want to make that clear because you see a variety of things, including reporters holding it in their hand or dangling it from their ear. Um, so the rest of my time um, – I was never much of a go-to-a-movies guy in recent years, although I, I like that. Um, I don't uh, play any more sports, and I'm a NASCAR fan. I like uh, motorsports. Oh, cool. And NASCAR is it. I like left turns. <laughs> but I also like the science and physics and marketing. And and in modern days, it's been fantastic to see how they're shedding the old um, southern biased uh you know reputation they have and that they've tried to be all inclusive to drive for diversity supporting Bubba wallace you know fighting back against uh, anything negative against anybody whether you're uh, black or minority or gay or whatever they're not they're not involved in any of that except they're all inclusive and they are very very adamant about that's the way they're going as a sport mm-hmm. they've been able to go back on tv and hold professional sports where football can't seem to pull it together mm-hmm. baseball's going to try basketball hasn't quite put it together right. but racing has yeah
2: yeah and
1: uh, just interesting thing you know and their their top champ over the years Jimmy Johnson is a triathlete he's not some you know whiskey running guy from the south okay yeah. Danica Patrick was in there she was a woman so I think it's a it's been a fascinating sport for me well, so that's palmetary outside of the year
0: I'm a pro wrestling fan so you're not gonna hear anything from me about <laughs>
1: NASCAR and you being a fan of that well they have and those <laughs> uh, wrestling masks for sale over at the mall now in the Viva store that Rafa Oh, is, they? Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you got over there for your you should do a feature on that store uh-huh. too because he's he, I just did a story Oh, that's story right. On they it. just opened up. It's called Viva right. Santa Barbara. Yeah. And here's a great – you talk about story selection too a little bit real quick. Here's a, here's a guy that has a, this West Side Fiesta-style store, clothing store that's the size of a postage stamp. And he's decided to, to get 3,100 square feet in the mall under construction and said, I'm doing that. That's, that's a pretty great. bold move. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, local, big step. Even though he's only got it till December, it's a big step. You don't see anybody else doing that. They're That's closing Surly Top. They're closing Subway. you know. And it's amazing what makes news in this town. You write about it too. 7 opens downtown on State right. Street, and everybody gets explosive on social media <laughs> about it. I knew they would. Right. You right. talk about things that buzz on social media. You thought it was just pets. Right. <laughs> you say 7-Eleven uh, has opened on State Street, and there's an uproar in this town.
0: What is State Street coming to? And if
1: you keep in mind, <laughs> The greatest question you could ask right now is that will that was only half the square footage.
0: Oh, okay. So there's
1: the other half that's open. So now what can go there? Right. Now what if you say, oh, Krispy Kreme, Starbucks. Jack in the box, uh-huh. AMP, a mini market
0: or something. Right. Can you
1: imagine the response in Santa Barbara?
0: Oh, my goodness. I, I only would go for Krispy Kreme yeah. out of those. See? <laughs> and then donuts are $4.
1: That yeah. makes news now. You know, there's a $3 oh, or $4 donut. Now. Designer Whoever... donuts. Yeah. yeah. Whoever thought that was going to make news. Right. So if you're talking about things that we can go fish out for news stories, and it's kind of fun to do those stories because it's a whole sector of the demographics that responds to your news. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, you can talk about the city council trying to wrestle with the economy Mm -hmm. and Black Lives Matter. The same week you can do a protest of 3,000 people, you could be doing a Sir Latavis closing story
0: and you'll get – People are going nuts. A yeah. whole different audience for both. Yeah, I remember, like in the old days of the newsroom, it's like you always write about animals and kids, yeah. and you knew that those stories were yeah. going to take off. And now on social media, it's so many other things. I want to go back to one question: or food, or food? <laughs> or food. Yeah, people. Really... Social
1: media and food. Can't food. can't eat my dinner till I take a picture of
0: it. Well, I do that bizhawk column, and like that, those are among the most well-read I it, restaurants. Can't
1: wait for it every yeah. Friday. <laughs> I'm <laughs> up <laughs> at midnight waiting for it to be posted or whatever. How are you doing?
0: Sometimes you're like, "Oh, he got that for me, right?" <laughs> and
1: and probably vice versa. <laughs> but the but there's enough out there. Yeah, there's
0: more than enough out there each week. Um, I want to go back to one point, which and sort of. I'll lead into it with sort of my story, but you talk about like not having kids, okay? And, you know, here you are, this incredible icon celebrity, and I want to ask you if that's a regret or why that decision was, and I'll let you think about that for a second, because I kind of have the reverse a little bit, is that... You know when I left the news press in 2006 when a whole bunch of people quit Jerry Roberts you know he knew somebody in the Bay Area he got me an interview with the San Jose Mercury News and so I interviewed there and I got the job and I I went down there and they whined and dined me and I' never forget that the hotel de Anza in the hallway the editor said so what about um eighty two thousand dollars a year and I, I literally thought I like misheard it because I'm like you know this yeah. is 2006 yeah. coming from the news that was about double yeah. of what I was earning. And uh, I took the job because I'm like, this is the Bay Area. It's yeah. the 10th biggest city in the country. And I was convinced that this this was it. I was yeah. going to make this huge step to the Bay Area. And then maybe after that, what's left? The LA Times, New York Times, these sort of yeah. there's just a few handful of papers in the country. That was the plan, but it put incredible strain on the marriage. Uh, my wife hated the Bay Area. And so I, what I, she didn't want to move, and so what I ended up doing was we had owned a house in Solvang at the time, so I would commute. So I, I would work. I had a little place there, and I would work Sunday through Thursday. Yeah. So Thursday night I would drive back to Solvang, and then Sunday morning I'd work the three to eleven shift, and uh, drive. And it's a there. long day. And it's yeah yeah you'd have to drive five hours to go to work. Yeah, and then Sunday you're coming in, and it's since it's San Jose, you're covering all the homicides yeah. from the weekend, you know, all that stuff, you know that is you know not glamorous, you know, in the big cities, so. I basically I did it for two years. The money was great, and I loved the job. They put me on San Jose City Hall, and a like I worked at City Hall. They had a bureau there, yeah. and I was doing all the stuff I had been doing in Santa Barbara, but on a big stage. You know, yeah. sort of the politics and the government and the the redevelopment and the neighborhoods and all those conflict stories that you know that yeah. I love to do. My, you know, my kid was one when I left. At one, they, I mean, sure, they love their, you know, but it's like mom. So, but about three, my son used to start crying when I would leave. And mm. I just couldn't take it. Yeah. I was done. So, like, but I had to wrestle with that whole thing of, like. You could have stayed there. I, could, I was not laid off. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, they had lay They liked me because, you know, you know, me, I'm super hungry. I'll do anything. Hardworking. Yeah. And um, I had to decide. I was, like, basically, like, I could basically get a divorce and. Live up there, or go back to Santa Barbara and figure out a way to make it work in a landscape where I can't work at the News Press anymore. Yeah. What the heck am I going to do? You know, and I actually was one of the many people end up working at Hispanic Business Magazine, <laughs> yeah. which is no longer in existence because yeah. he paid kind of well at the time. But I made that decision to to basically. I mean, it, it's incredibly sad. I mean, I gave up my career for. The, Basically, so I could be, a, you know, a dad, so I could yeah. be a present dad, and that sounds like oh, well, good for you, Josh. But like, it's hard. Like when you love the journalism, it's like it's an addiction, yeah. it's a high, and you, that byline, and you know you're making an impact and a difference. And um, so, as happy as I am for doing that, there's always a part of me that's like, what, what could I have been, or where could I have gone, you know? And so, like, it's never a perfect scenario. I chose that, but look, look at what I've done. I work at Hispanic yeah. Business. I work at the Daily Sound. I worked for Das Williams for three years. I worked for um, uh, you know, obviously I work at NewsHawk. I've done various jobs people will not you know don't know about or care about. Smaller time jobs. A teacher. You know I've taught at City College part time. All to cobble together a journalism career in this town. You know, and now I do the podcast and yeah. try to do that now to make 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 it work. And so it's it's tough. There are no like there's no perfect route for anybody, but. You know, at the same time, I get to spend all this time with my kids and coaching and I'm there, you know, every day. And, but it's a trade off. So, I mean, that's a long windup to ask you sort of like, do you ever, you know, the, the, the iconic, famous walk down the street and everyone loves you. Everyone's like, you could be mayor. You could run for anything and you would win it. Um, do you have any like that other sort of side of the argument and you know to the degree you feel comfortable talking about well it.
1: I I have been in relationships where there have been uh, kids involved and yeah. I've done really well mm-hmm. um, with them and I think because I had there were five kids in our family and we we're a very loving family so I have that in me that's good and I'm proud of that and I'm glad I did that to answer your question did I do I regret that I wasn't married and had my own kids to some degree I would say yes um, that would have been a, a complete life experience on that level. But I've been able to have opportunities and satisfaction in another arena, maybe to a fuller extent going this way. To each his own, it could have been different. Um, I I I um don't know that I would have stayed here. Maybe there would have been more financial requirements and but at the same time. It's scary in a broadcast. I have many people that have gone off to bigger cities. And yeah. and on the recommendation of new ownership, management, consultants, you know, they've changed staff in the snap of a finger. Right. And so, oh, you could have gone to L.A. Are you? Why aren't you at CNN? And, hey, I've had friends that go to L.A. and CNN and other places that have lost their jobs even though they're good. Mm-hmm. And it's so unfair to those of us in the trenches that know good people that have, aren't employed, and we don't understand. It doesn't work in our head. Like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Why would they not be working there? Right. And that's what's going on today. So it's a fragile time. I'm, I'm very fortunate to still be. You know, in a good situation, and I'm I'm glad, I'm, but I'm working at it every day. I don't wake up, and it doesn't just come to me. We have to work. Mm-hmm. You're only as good as how relevant you are and how hard you work today. I don't walk in and say, hey, remember the fire I covered 20 years ago? I was great then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so can I stay longer, and can you get me in the front of the line or whatever? No. Uh-huh. It doesn't work that way. Right. you got to be relevant to the moment now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that being that I have the time to do that, and I have partly that to my advantage, you know, I keep working on it, but I keep thinking about it. Um, it would have been very interesting and wonderful to see, you know, if I would have had a family and kids, what that would have been like in my life and for them too.
0: Your kids would be like the most popular people at
1: school. <laughs> or God <laughs> <dad> is who, <laughs> but but uh, you know, I I do say at the same time, if I have a conflict or if I do something wrong or if I post the wrong thing, they could be also challenged, yeah. and that would be so painful. To yeah. Think of that—that that I would have to stick to my journalistic guns about something I covered. Yet they might think that you know maybe they take it out the other direction. That would be—that would be so hard. Think about that. Yeah. How that is if you're at that level where somebody knows, you know, knows that and 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 it, that happens to you love it. And I, you know, I'm concerned when family members come to town and maybe someone sees me and they don't like something I've done and they're yelling foul language at you and you're mm-hmm. like okay this doesn't happen that often <laughs> and then I say to myself well maybe it does uh-huh. <laughs> and so it's it's omnipresent right and uh, but I know that I, I think I have it in me because of my upbringing my parents stayed together you know a long time before my dad died you know it's over 30 30 years of marriage 36 years I think it was and so I came from a loving family
0: so mm-hmm. I know I have it in me yeah well yeah I mean that's it's just sort of this thing I always ask is like, yeah. you know, I'm sort of curious. And uh, let's talk a little bit and we're going a little bit long here. Because it's, so, the time. it's so interesting to talk to you. Um, I've noticed a lot of changes in Santa Barbara since 20 years that I've been reporting. You've been reporting longer than I have. What, what's different today in terms of how you approach the news or how is the community changing? You know, when you talk to people out there, they will say that there's gentrification happening. You know, we look at the, how the funk zones changed. We're looking at Haley and Milpa's and how it's becoming more of a sort of a vibrant business sort of area. We know obviously State Street's changing with the closure of, of uh, part of the street to cars. Uh, it's a kind of a, I feel like Santa Barbara's like entering this new transition and it's changing and it's like significantly different. A lot of that slow growth preservationist mm-hmm. crowd, I don't really hear as much from them. Uh, but what's your take what's how's Santa Barbara different today than you know ten years ago
1: there's two things going on when we got really around here in the bill wallace uh you know anti oil heavy environmental days uh and slow growth and the no water in gallitas so or no growth days there, and all right. that back in the day 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 I think right when you started or are aware of those those days, that was a, uh, wow, what is this city there in this area? They, uh, you know, Galita wasn't a city and they wouldn't grow because there wasn't water. And there was, anti-oil was a big headliner all the time. And, and you couldn't have a sign with a letter uh, bigger than 10 inches on State Street. And right. you can only have certain colors. And Milpas was Milpas and Haley was Haley. And they were like areas that you weren't even talking about as far as, Cool developments or hipster (laughs) things and the funk zone was a bunch of craftsmen and we didn't go down there unless you did some story about some metal artist, you know, and the homeless were sleeping on the Fest Parker property Uh at the waterfront Chase Palm Park extension. And, you know, that was Santa Barbara. Okay, fast forward to now. Poof. We're building things on State Street with no approvals, no, you know, real oversight or or, or years of, of evaluation in front of committees. <laughs> Matter of fact, I even asked, and maybe you have too in your reporting, is anybody? Is there any guidelines on the how high a parklet can be and what color it can be and all right, that? Yeah. And I think there's some limited discussion. Here's my drawing. Is it okay? Go ahead and build it. Mm-hmm. But I've seen... You know, ten versions of it, yeah. and I'm wondering, was that all in the guidelines, and where are they written? I haven't looked into it. Maybe
0: mm-hmm. you haven't either. Um, I, I don't think there is. I think I Jason Harris told me that it's just looks pretty g- good. Get it up, and yeah. if we do it permanently, we'll we'll talk about all that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and I know people that have adjusted theirs so that the it can get along with their neighbor across the street. The red piano was one of them. Oh, they yeah. built theirs, but then in ale, put their white fencing out in front of the new spot they own that little oh, the little alleyway there? Yeah. yeah. And they decided to extend out. But when they did that, it tightened up the 14-foot space they needed between the two. So yeah. the Red Piano had to chop off a couple of feet of their already built mm-hmm. platform to do that. And then all of that is so the fire truck can come down there. And they ran the fire truck through there. I don't know if you know this. Yeah. They ran the ladder truck through there to see if it could fit.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: So all this, this would never have happened 10 years ago. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Stringing lights. just a chandelier hanging in the middle of State Street right now. <laughs> right now. Uh-huh. You walk down there and you'll see yeah. it like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, two years ago, the, the conversation was the funk zone's draining State Street. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Thanks to the funk zone, 50% of what happened on State Street's over there now, if yeah. not more. And who saw that coming? Mm-hmm. the funk zone turned on a dime under everybody's nose but i mean we got it as it was happening but by the time two or three or four or five properties and wine tasting rooms and everything happened it's like wait where was the master plan on this right there wasn't one yeah. that i know of yeah. and next thing you know there's 22 wine tasting rooms there there's a distillery the brewer fig fig mountain brewery is an solid awesome business they've done a great job they're great operators and a lot of others so how is it changing look at all this and then on milpa Street you want to put a you know a 40-foot building 45foot building and now it's gonna be 52 feet or something to get more affordable housing in and people are squirming over that yeah. yet the city council called timeout on a on an approved project to say no we'll bring it back we were calling it back so we can make it taller <laughs> that's right. right we're laughing Whole like this world. is Santa Barbara exactly. that the city council says the project's approved thank god it's done we've talked about it for three years no we want it to, we want it to come back so we can make it bigger mm-hmm. to get affordable housing in yeah. wow and I said Haley Street's the next funk zone it's sort of slowly evolving there hasn't quite got the pop that the funk zone had but it's got
0: the potential where, you know? you, where do you stand on the Lagoon District the name I don't like it <laughs> I think they're moving away from that by yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know what it's going to be called or if it's going to be called anything. Uh, upper downtown uh, is is squirming about lower downtown getting all the attention. Yeah. And now they're getting a little more relief with cars sort of allowed on the 1300 block. But but that answer is that, okay, cars can come in and park a little bit here. Oh, so you're going to have cars, bicyclists, skateboarders, and pedestrians all sharing the <laughs> middle of the street? Where does that happen in America? hmm uh-huh. Uh, maybe I didn't understand it correctly, but that's, you know, why did we have a bus up there for a month and a half or something to block the street? What kind of welcoming was that? Mm -hmm. You know, journalists can really get into these questions. Whose idea was it to put palm trees on, you know, platforms, you know, out there, Uh, you know, this all happened in one day, you know, Mm -hmm. one Thursday before Memorial Day weekend, it was fine. I cruised, State Street, or Wednesday, and by Memorial Day weekend, the thing was closed off. Yeah. How did that sneak under our nose?
0: So fast. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, You know, a a year ago, the big uh, mystery was, is Amazon coming downtown? Wow. That's a game changer. (laughs) You want to see a game changer? Go downtown now. Right. And how long is that going to last? And I know Jason's got some good recommendations. But still, there is... Great stories for Santa Barbara as we go forward. Like the farmer's market now gets a timeout. You know, their big race to find a new location That's right, from yeah. Coda Street. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the and the protesters telling the police chief on the steps of City Hall, you you are not getting your new police station. And some to answer your question even further, there's a whole sector of this community that hasn't been heard from. Oh, really? There are a lot of people that want law and enforcement to have some of the tools and strength that it it traditionally has had yeah there's a middle ground that wants it to be Mm reimagined so that yeah people writing parking tickets maybe come from a different department or 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 guarding intersections during the solstice parade which is really not a traditionally a violent parade you don't need to have um police officers on time and a half doing that maybe fiesta and fourth of july yes but solstice and the children's parade <laughs> right you know or, or you really need they would they would say I'm not saying they're you know saying we don't need a hundred extra police officers on that mm-hmm. okay at overtime yeah. so yes there's a way I can I can I can see their point point. and there's some people who say no we don't need a police department. we need a safety center mm-hmm. and I believe the mayors come up with a creative wording so yeah it's, I mean that's the Santa Barbara that that we had 10 years ago no. And I'm actually waiting for someone on landmarks or historic Commission saying, time out. This isn't Pearl Chase's dream.
0: Right. I can imagine the people in the HLC, I haven't talked to them, but they might, when they look at State Street, I mean, I can't imagine the reaction they must be having. I've said this a hundred <laughs> times
1: between Memorial Day and this conversation. Uh-huh. I, I don't even know where to begin with it. And I think I'll just throw it in your court to call them up and say, what do you think? Yeah, that's a good story, right? Are you kidding me? That's You're going to have a – you'll get – Big readership on
0: that story. It's it's. I was down there for Fourth of July and uh, is so interesting because oh, you have the five hundred block. You have all those tables out there and everybody's eating. And then you have the people like just kind of running in the middle. You had like joggers in the middle. It's like a a prominent. It's like a literal like a catwalk. You know, yeah. people like to be seen there. And they're handing out the masks, but they're they're not really enforcing them. But there's like a mask kiosk. Yeah. On State Street, and it's like everything's just sort of upside down a little bit. I mean, it's just not upside down in value judgment. It's just it's just so different yeah. than what we expected.
1: And and where are we are, where are we all talking talking about? If we got it, we have the twenty thousand foot view when we look down. We're pointing right to the five hundred block. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, in journalism and our coverage, everything we're all looking there. And where else should we be looking? You know, what's happening in Goleta and your paper uh, or NewsHawk. Likes Kalita stories more than I believe. More of the media in town, you're really aware that Kalita's a an array of Mm -hmm. tremendous things going on out there. Yeah, I mean Kalita's got technology. It's got Old Town. It's got uh, reinventing. It's got growth. It's got so much. But we seem to look at this state street thing like it's the <laughs> beginning of the, and the end. And I like the Carpinteria stories because they are very pragmatic about things, and but they're really kind of funky in their own way, and mm-hmm. they have their own set of rules, and <laughs> and it's 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 worked out okay down there. They've even had one protest, and it was well run, and right. and I think they told everybody out there, don't. Don't damage any of our businesses because we need every one of them. And they said, "Okay, we'll just march to the beach and back, and we'll make a lot of noise uh-huh. and get our point out there." And they and they did it right; and nothing got damaged. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They have a very interesting control of their uh, expression down there.
0: Yeah, Goleta. I mean, I live in Goleta, and it's 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 uh, certainly got a ton of potential and development. Yeah, like I used to be able to travel from on Hollister and Stork right there. And then when all that development went in, I mean, it is like the most congested intersect. It takes, I mean, that's coming yeah. from a, we live here, right? Yeah. But it's like so frustrating. It's like minutes at that intersection. And a, and
1: a year ago, the big story was, oh, Target's opening. Right. No, we don't even care.
0: <laughs> I, what about that Target in Santa Barbara? Like, do you go there? It's. It feels like it's like- It used like, to be, it was going to be the biggest
1: thing it and it opened. And it's- it's it's a blip on the screen. Most it's like going to CBS.
0: <laughs> exactly. No offense, but yeah. it's just not the big game. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, the one out there. So I'm going to play a sort of like fanboy a little bit, you okay. know. So tell me a little bit about your favorite stories that you've covered in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we have a ton of celebrities here, you know. Like, you know, did you, who have you interviewed? And if you've had the opportunity to sort of get to know, do I'll it? do the
1: celebrity part first because okay. it's, it's really kind of faster. Um the we're a unique community in that we do a lot of fundraisers and the Unity uh, Telethon every year and things like that. Uh, the Ash Bash, 805 Ash Bash yeah. for law enforcement and some of these big splashy events. Okay. And along the way, you uh, get to know some of these prominent movie stars and musicians and so it isn't as much of a, oh, look who's eating across the table from me or across the restaurant from me or over there, a paparazzi kind of thing. Oh, I got a shot of Kevin Costner eating at blank or Rob Lowe at blank. And, and oh, I'm going to publish it like I'm a Hollywood um, star magazine. You know, we don't even do that anymore. And matter of fact, when I meet them, I say that, listen, I do the news on TV. Maybe you Maybe watch when you're in town. It's no big deal. I'm not going to take some picture. Maybe if, these days, maybe you take a selfie if they're into it. Like Conan, I talked to Conan a couple, Conan O'Brien a couple yeah. weeks ago, and he doesn't mind doing a selfie with me. And I've met him a couple times, and he he remembers, and we get along great. Oh, cool. And uh, but I don't have his email. I don't have his phone number. We just you know we we run into each other, and it's fine. Yeah. And, and that's kind of happened over time. I saw Rob Lowe, you know on the beach recently, but he I uh, was doing something else and he was doing something else, and I didn't like gravitate to him and say hi again. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a while, but we have gotten along at different events yeah. um and done things. Kenny Loggins is pretty much first name basis. And we say hi, but we're don't call each other up. Mm-hmm. Um not you're, about, you're
0: not texting at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but I feel comfortable and they no. feel comfortable with me. When I met Kevin Costner, I told him the same thing. His wife reinforced it, it was really nice. We met at an Andy Granatelli event, and Andy right. was a motor racing legend, Mister Indy 500, and a big philanthropist now. And I and I said uh, same thing: uh, that don't worry about me; I'm not going to hide in your bushes and take pictures. Right. And they like that. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd, see him a lot. Um, and and so that's 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 sort of the I can tell that story with every name almost down the road. They thought, well, I haven't met Oprah and I haven't met Ellen. I do, I do want to meet Ellen because in the uh, in the Reader's Poll in town, uh, she's uh, beat me out for something like either Best Celebrity or Best Twitter <laughs> <In> the <laughs> last year. And I used to be not Best Twitter. I still win that um, uh, four years in a row. Nice. Um, uh, which goes back to the beginning of you know, this conversation on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but she beat for Best Celebrity. Um, which is fine. I'm not really It's competing at just <laughs> this. You know, when you win, it's nice. And when you don't win, and somebody like Why is Ellen yeah. Roper wins, like, okay, wait a minute. I know I was second. Would that make me first? <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't get more money for one of those things either. So right. I'll get that off the table too. So let's go to the stories because that's what we like to talk about. Uh, so the one that comes to my mind that's that, that would be, other than a big tragedy, let's throw the tragedies to the side right yeah. now because it's easy to... to to talk about those as far as being big and maybe not ones I've even liked because who likes to report on right. that stuff? Uh, years ago, there used to be a guy in front of Joe's Cafe shining shoes Daniel Collier, the shoe shine man, African American guy sat on a pillow, had a box in front of him, had a, had a southern hey man, what's happening? Uh huh. All right, shoe shine, ma'am, put mm-hmm. your shoe up here. How's it going? Poop with his rag. He had a rag. He had the little cans of shoe shine, and he worked for tips. And I had a cameraman back there. We'd go to Joe's at night, and, and with the crew or whoever. And he was in there one time. And I did not know Daniel, and uh that closely. Just knew this, this older guy, black guy, mm-hmm. s- s- from the South, Georgia kind of guy. I guess mm-hmm. I can't remember where he was. Is out there sitting on a pillow in front of Joe's Cafe, shining shoes with all these, you know, hipsters, glitzy people walking by, looking at this guy sitting on the, on the ground doing this. Mm. I mean, it wasn't even a formal chair mm. set up. Mm. And you have him and you have this unending wealth go by. And just the contrast to me to hit my heart, like if only they knew him. Uh, he's not that guy. He's so much richer. Yeah and religious and believe in God and went to the church over there on Coda Street in Milpas. And he was just so comforting to talk to. So I went in get into Joe's and my camera was in there at the time and I took his beer and I put it down on the counter. I said, go outside and look at the guy on the ground for a couple minutes and come back in. And he goes, what are you talking about? Give me my beer back. I said, no, go outside, do that. So he goes outside, looks at him, comes charging back through the door and he looks at me dead in the eye and he goes, we got to do that story. With that look that you want to see in a photojournalist's eye, we're going to do the story on this guy. Uh-huh. In just like two minutes, he already knew there was a story to tell. Anyway, we do this incredible micro feature on him yeah. with great shots. We put a wireless mic on him and uh-huh. sat across the street for an hour listening to him oh, and cool. shooting him and getting the prime cuts of the way he talked to people. And then we finally moved in and interviewed him. Not that night. We did it weeks later. We mm-hmm. told him, hey, I'm going to do this TV story on you. He goes, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. So just we're going to put this thing, this mic on you. Make a long story short, if not longer. <laughs> it, it ended up winning a first-place feature award in wow. television.
0: Mm-hmm. Around what year was that? In the n- 90s. Mid-90s, yeah. That
1: cameraman went on to be the chief photographer of NBC Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, And many of our work employees have gone on to do extremely well. Mm. And it's because of the small-town coverage like that, mm. their storytelling, their ability to hone their craft, and you know you've seen it already in your career. Many times, people have really been able to go from Santa Barbara because you can grind away at these stories, whether it's a long city council meeting or a feature you've been you've been simmering on the stove for a while in your in your newsroom and finally you go and do it or it's breaking news and we've had and because i've worked with them and they've helped me tremendously but i've also i think helped them find stories and give them the opportunity to tell the story visually or i'm so you know thrilled for the camera people i've worked with that have gone on And I would be remiss before this is ever over is that the technical staff, the invisible people, Mm. it's like flying a 747. Mm. If you think we just go there and put a camera on and somehow it appears in your TV set, you have no idea Mm -hmm. the hoops and all the things that could go wrong between my microphone, that camera, and your TV set. Yeah. And if you just had a chance to walk to the TV station, you'd be out of breath by the time you got to the door again to leave. You're like, <gasps> I can't believe all that has to work mm-hmm. in order for this to work. Yeah. Uh, it's no longer just a laptop, push a button, send. And to the people that do that, it is really like flying to me the 747, the space shuttle or whatever, mm-hmm. and to have their head understand if something goes wrong, what to do immediately to make it still work. Yeah, And we've had that happen. So that's that. And then real quick – um, heartbreaking, tearful, I mean, almost crying on the air to, to be around death. When you, when you know that people are buried in the mud of Montecito yeah. in the mud of the La Cheetah landslide, uh, 95 and 2005, um, I was there for both of them and you hear the, the, oh, yeah. the crying and the wailing and the Isla Vista crying of the shooting and stabbing scene mm-hmm. and you see the tarps and people think it's glamorous And you're off duty and you get a call that something bad's going on in Isla Vista. And I was out there and I jumped off a table and threw 20 bucks down and ran to my car and put my foot on the gas all the way out there. And was there in 18 minutes maybe Mm -hmm. listening to the calls of how many dead bodies were or injured bodies or triage was going on and had to dumped my car in a red zone and run six blocks to the end of Del Playa where I thought he was Mm -hmm. and then ran underneath the yellow tape that was being strung out saying nobody can go any farther and I ducked underneath there and got the shot of the crashed windshield the crashed car and the blue tarp the yellow tarp and the body and the blood draining out and I said oh my god did I just shoot that picture and Paul Wellman from the Independent at the time I think he got in there too and got a shot I mean you don't forget that you don't talk about it much but here we are um is that David Attias or Elliot Roger? That was Elliot Roger, uh-huh. and I was there for David Addius, and that was a little bit later on, and I think that was around midnight. But Roger was earlier in the evening, mm-hmm. and and then you come back to report on it, and some people talk to you, and the LA stations are there, and people don't see this again. There's all of a sudden the next morning, you know, Good Morning America's there, or something like that, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and satellite trucks and all this stuff. And then you get the media backlash get out of here, leave us alone, you know, go home, LA, yeah. whatever. Hey, wait a minute, I'm your guy, and I'm going to be here long after they go, and we're going to report on your strength as a community and mm-hmm. Ivy Strong or Lakanjita Strong or Thomas Fire. We're going to be here long after this to tell your story and to protect you if red tape gets in your way. We'll sure. call the insurance commissioner, we'll call the police department. Why isn't there more police? We'll talk to the public officials. Why wasn't there a way to catch these psychotic people or do prevention? We're, we're here as your advocate, or at least to be your watchdog. Mm-hmm. They don't see that that day. Yeah. <laughs> so you could be in the middle of a fire and they don't show my burning house, don't show my pain and suffering, as you can as a journalist, but we'll be here when you need us to get to where you need to go to be back on track. Mm-hmm. And I, I've backed up every step of that mm-hmm. i've always been back there to tell their story and mm-hmm. so have you they don't see it that night and neither does anybody else in social media will be quick to bury you within <laughs> minutes but you have to have the strength to say i'm going to come back when they're open not burnt down or back there and celebrate you know that mm-hmm. and i've done that with burnt down stores <laughs> right i'll say i'll be back when you open and just call me and i'll mm-hmm. come back and yeah. i come
0: back yeah,
1: And well, I promised them and I, I'm i still employed and I'm still doing it.
0: <laughs> That's It's really important to sort of people be don't, there people um, don't see that, away that. from the moment, you know, the bad stuff, you know, that you come back later yeah. when all the TV stations from out of town leave. I do a whole unit at school about um, City College about when I covered the David Addis David thing because I might have been yeah. like the fourth or fifth person they called and said, yeah. can you go out there, you know, yeah. and sort of see, you know, yeah. that horror of those those bodies um you know you, when you mentioned the story of the guy you know that won the award shining shoes in front of joe's um i did a story i remember i don't know maybe you remember it, it would make me feel good if you did so maybe you should say yes no mm-hmm. um but i did a story about, about a street singer her name was portia this was like long ago at the news press and she was um, singing at the courthouse like she she was she was singing under the courthouse arch and i was like walking doing something on my lunch break and uh She's like this amazing, phenomenal singer, and she had this incredible voice. And I like dropped everything I was doing, and I kind of just watched her. And then after a while, I kind of, you know, I crept a little closer and like approached her and asked her, "What are you doing?" And it like led to this whole thing. And Len Wood, the photographer, we went back, and basically she said, "Oh, I sing when I'm depressed. I go out in public and sing because it soothes me." And I, she didn't have a tip jar and. Like, she was amazing. Like, she had this incredible yeah. voice. And uh, so we followed her around, and we got some shots. And, I you know, I was able to convince the editors that, you know, the City Hall yeah. reporter was doing the feature on this, you know, 19-year-old girl who's, like, a good singer. And, like, imagine trying to pitch that to your editors. Yeah. And no, like, I, no, I know like, that. What's, like, what's the news, you know? Yeah, because we hear, do you got anything harder? <laughs> right. Right. But she had this incredible backstory. But that's the thing about journalism is that, it's easy for people to sort of just sort of do their thing and yeah. look one way, but the curiosity that journalists have to have to like notice something in that one person or that thing that's happening, and then you, you, you turn that into a story that so many other people can benefit from. Yeah. That's, that's like such an art. Yeah. And you know you wish people would understand and appreciate that more rather than you know why they like with that story, Why'd they run a and this was like early two thousand? Why'd they run a story on the front page with a teenage girl with a cigarette in her hand? Yeah, you know they're glamorizing teen smoking kind of thing. You're just like. You know, it's a snapshot of yeah. life, you know, sort of thing. Um, but there's so many of those, like, little stories that you've yeah. you've done and that's over a, the years.
1: You know, and that's Sunday reading, right? If you can read the city hall reporter, but you scroll that away and you write it up and say, put it in the Sunday paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that would be the way to express it uh, back then. I don't know if that's how they look at it these days, but that's in my mind. That's
0: how it comes out,
1: um, you know.
0: How do you stay motivated to keep getting the scoops and still be able to do what you do? You have your, is it John Palminteri News? Is that your handle on Instagram? Or, yeah. Uh, you know, you're breaking yeah. stuff all the time. Uh, you're probably not getting eight hours of sleep at night, you know, probably much less. How do you stay hungry after all these years? Um, being relevant.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I worry there's a lot of good people coming up. Um uh, to, to my benefit, they've all uh, moved on to get better jobs. So that <laughs> there's always like a gap in there and I can still be like the constant. <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> uh, but I also think I am relevant um, and I, I do provide a lot of uh, new information and interpretive information. Um, if, it's, if it's a value, I think it's still of a value to have institutional memory um, and go a little bit deeper. There is a measurement of time on the air in broadcast that is, um, you know, is is part of the process of how long different stories can be. And I know that you've seen something where it might be like a couple of sentences and a soundbite, another sentence, and then back on the next story. And like, wait, 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 there's so much more to that story. Mm-hmm. So there's a measurement. Sometimes stories are short. And the next newscast, it's a longer one. You've seen the difference sometimes if you watch enough of the news. Yeah, and um, you know that's a whole concept that I've kind of pulled back on being a part of anymore. I just being uh, the provider of content, Mm -hmm. so I'm going after a lot of content every day. How much can I bring? And I used to work at a restaurant years and years ago, and I always think about how much how's this kitchen working, right? Mm -hmm. And how are we serving the food, and how many different meals are we getting up there for people to you know try? And so with my news stories, how many different stories can I get out there and do? And also. You know, what is required of me? Am I required to do four stories a day or one story? And and I've never heard any boss say, stop providing, (laughs) right? And neither of you, as much as you can do. We would like less from you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Less and shorter. So I I fight for airtime and uh, provide uh, as much as I can and let it fall where it falls. But I do realize the audience isn't as in tune on a regular basis as they. Once were because of all the choices out there, yeah. and when it's sunny outside, a lot of people aren't watching the six o'clock news and five o'clock news like they once were because they're outside. So thank God for the web. But you can go back and watch stories on the web a lot, and there's a lot of ways to see things on the stream and things after the fact. And that's, uh, you know, it's very hard for people. You know, we understand where's people. Where are people getting my information these days? Are they just watching it on their phone, on their computer at home? But I know that they're getting it. So to your question. Um, how do I stay hungry? You know, I just know somebody, one, I used to say this in radio when I just began teaching people in radio, whether you're working overnight and one person's listening or you're working morning drive and thousands of people are listening, you've got to do the same show. Yeah, mm-hmm. Same like somebody in a theater. Whether you have 10 people come to your stage show or a full house, you do the show you promised you were going to do. Mm-hmm. And I provide the service I promised my boss I would do and more. And I think to do that, I have to do more than assigned or more than expected all the time to stay relevant. At least that's the way I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. But no one's really told me in a speech or a contract to do that. And uh, I'm also, one other trick is I'm trying to go where everybody else isn't. So I am looking on the fringe a lot for stories in areas that, aren't exactly that target I spoke of a minute ago. Mm -hmm. Like what else is going on out there that we might be missing? Because we've got enough people all talking about one or two things. And like you, we find it interesting if we have the time to follow city meetings that most people wouldn't want to follow. But within those, there's some storylines and nuggets and public comments Mm -hmm. that are incredible. One thing we haven't talked about that I'm not as entrenched in, but I could have been in, I guess, and been busy for Three years as cannabis, mm-hmm. it's had so many dynamics in this town and uh, this area from Carford to Rita But I just haven't been as involved in the you know the meetings. I've covered them, but I haven't really dove in to get into everybody's you know spiel about good or bad or whatever. And yeah. there's plenty of emotion there. And certainly the L.A. Times has been up in here, yeah. you know, digging the grand juries involved and all that. It just it, it takes a lot of time to get everybody's say on this and it's hard in TV in 90 seconds or two minutes to tell that story. Right, And so it's, um, I think, sometimes we do say that's more of a newspaper story. A lot of times we need visuals or good sound bites for TV. Mm -hmm. Radio is even shorter. Things I do for KCLU are under a minute. KJE, it's two minutes and 30 seconds of news. Okay. Uh, But newspaper, you know, it's got a little more stretch, Mm -hmm. um, which I like. I love newspapers. I mean, I'm loving... You know, uh, everything around here. Even sure. uh, even though the news press has is polarizing, I know I appreciate they have new journalists there, and mm-hmm. they, the journalists today are trying. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I have nothing against them. I, I fast. I can't wait to see NewsHawk at four in the morning when it bings on my computer <laughs> and the new version is up if I yeah. haven't looked to see what's going on. Yeah. Um, and everybody else, even the Mesa paper, has got nuggets in it. And right. the Coastal View and Carpenteria is a classic example of a small town paper that's solid because mm-hmm. not everybody's down there, right? Yeah. They own the town. You're right. And the high school doesn't have a school paper, so, uh, you know, they cover high school sports and things that the parents want to clip the picture out and put on the, news- on the refrigerator. Look at my child in the paper.
0: Yeah, that's a good point when, you know, I have so many meetings that I cover yeah. and I have my list. But on those those off weeks, when, like no one's meeting, yeah. I'm always like, oh, yeah, let me check out Carpinteria, yeah. you know. And then I'm like, whoa, there's like lots oh, of good stuff here going on yeah. uh, because yeah, no one else is – sort of covering I always tell people that like covering a council meeting for me and that people always think I'm insane but it's like going on a date it's fun yeah. because it's like going to taking a date to a movie you know it's just me but it's like live theater yeah. and when you know everything that's going on yeah. if i have to miss like those i haven't been on a vacation i don't know how long but those times in my life when i've been on a vacation I'm like, what are they doing? Yeah. You know, like it's I take
1: so, days off once in a while, but I have not really, like you, I've not really flown away somewhere and disappeared. Yeah. And I'm wondering what's going to happen when I do that. I had a family member who was ill, and so I was down in Orange County a lot and things like that. But um, and passed away. But you know, they, it, it, this type of thing. Um, but to do the the normal life of going on a vacation every so often, right. I can imagine what the feedback's going to be on Facebook when I'm there's something going on and I can't be found. Right. You know. Um, right, but I understand the city yeah. council. There's if you can tell or start setting the in your coverage, setting the stage for like your long form piece you just did with Paul Casey about Paul Casey and the city council and yeah. what's going on in this city was like an interesting read to see that there's you know it's 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 an evolving real – Situation about the, the mechanics of the city in the middle of uh, without, you know, this is a, does this boat have a rudder or, mm-hmm. or not? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's fascinating. I find it, keep going on that. Because, you know. and you have so many new city council members that are trying to do their district coverage, but city coverage or, yeah. or,
0: or you know, representation. Wow. It's such a soap opera, you know, and yeah. I, I covered the council and E.F. Alconi was on the council. I mean, she toughened me up right away to the fact that, like, she didn't like my coverage. She didn't like my focus on personalities. But, I mean, I, I was weaving narratives together, what's going on in closed session. behind the, It's like the job of a reporter that yeah. you have to do. And so... If you can explain why all of that really does matter to your audience, it puts you know when the housing project comes up, all of a sudden, oh, it makes sense yeah. why they voted that way. But how much of it that. is quote inside baseball? Yeah, and and those who don't know that term,
1: that really is like the the real inside mechanics of things and of the audience who wants just the headline and the decision and the, I just want the, the bottom line. What was it? Yeah. Versus who wants to know how it got there? And certainly the the biggest show in town was. Uh, mayor Kathy Murillo and Jason Dominguez. Yeah, back right. in the day, yeah. I mean, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't sit there and say, "Is any at any time now there's going to be a flashpoint?"
0: There's a rumor he's going to run for mayor. I don't know if you've heard that.
1: I I know uh, more than one other person that's going <laughs> to run for mayor now, and I think the mayor is under fire. There's yeah. no doubt about it. This has been a difficult time, but also, uh, you know. Uh, it's it's hard for me to make a judgment call it's wouldn't have been easy on anybody but um there's i think it's opened the door for other um game, game plans and other leaders to say maybe i can do it differently
0: what about you would you ever close the door to running you know you'd win 2 to 1 <laughs> you know <laughs> i think
1: some... under the the attack of pub- the public i don't know that i I'd, I'd feel good about that mm-hmm. um if I was to take another job, how about asking that question? <laughs> what would it be? <laughs> yeah, um, I think that I might be good in um, the representation of um, a company uh, or uh, a community. I don't want to say that anything is easy, whether it's a chamber of commerce or a or a downtown organization. Or a, I'm, I'm very fond of carpenteria or a regional panel. Or something that promotes, I, I end up ending up being a little more enthusiastic than maybe a reporter should be about the area. As you know, I'm doing a lot yeah. of nonprofit things, a lot of emceeing of great events. I've introduced politicians with great vigor. <laughs> you know, here's the mayor of the great city of Santa Barbara, almost like the old top hat guy. But people like that. Yeah. And you know, some of it's a shtick when you're on stage at a fundraiser with introducing them. Uh, you know, you, you take that stoic reporter thing out of there and you right. give them, you know. The praise that they're the mayor and mm-hmm. here they come and el presidente mm-hmm. you know and i like to promote people a lot and they did earn it i didn't and so um you know i think i'd rather be a host in a representation a representative of something sure. i've also wanted to host a show maybe not a podcast but a a stage show uh, maybe a combination between a a jimmy kimmel meets a Hugh and uh, versus a you know an Ed Sullivan a kind uh, of thing where you have sort of a credible guest, entertainment, and maybe a little bit of fun and entertainment and silliness. A little variety show. Almost. Yeah, variety uh, show, but still have some traction. Yeah. To be mm-hmm. able to, you know, like Howard Stern, for as brash as he is, he can get huge names in, right? Imus did the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, so as rude yeah, as they were was, and offensive uh-huh. back in that day. I mean, those shows, the Imus would have never flown these days, that's for sure. But he was <laughs> able to get Dan Rather and Barbara Walters and Brokaw uh-huh. and Brian Williams and you name it on his show, uh-huh. right? Um, and uh, and and Corden is getting, uh, you know, Joe Biden and you know, and doing in depth. Interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think that there's a place for that. If there's an audience for it, maybe the internet is the place to go with that. And maybe mm-hmm. I can do that in addition to what I'm doing now yeah. TV. Because I certainly have the hours. I'm... <laughs> mm-hmm. Wouldn't it kill me if I was doing my stage show and an uh, emergency broke out? <laughs> what would I do? I
0: know. Well, the, it's the, it's which it's John
1: the... Palmentary is on the <laughs> clock now? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> says, How do you get there so fast? Because we've learned how to get around town rather quickly you know Uh, with we know the streets and the signal lights and the patterns and Kind of, I teach the camera people how to get to places quicker than they were getting. We right. you know where there's vehicle counts and go on that street, not that street. This right. is really inside stuff, but uh-huh. it, and probably doesn't question. But no I'm fascinated account, by yeah. telling the story to people because everybody that works with me gets this speech about how to get around to different places as fast as you can to get to the the shot. We need the shot, man. We got to get the shot of the the arrest or the fire or the pursuit or the chase. And uh-huh. so, and I teach them all that. And and I I tell you that um, you know some people say how do you get there and I said I don't know do I have a cape or what I said <laughs> I, ch- I jump from TV Hill with a cape and I just arrive you know? <laughs> I just give them these crazy answers because I don't know it's yeah. luck it's luck mm-hmm. and luck is is when preparation meets opportunity and I try to be prepared and when there's opportunity you're there and you get it and you're like okay this is what I was trained to do this is how I think. Get it. We'll go all the way back to the beginning. The person on State Street being arrested. How did I get from TV Hill to Annapur State to know that's where it was going to end at the time he's still in that two minute frame fighting with the police? Yeah. I mean, that is luck, but it maybe is the way I something goes off and I gravitated to there, not to the beginning. I didn't go to where you threw the chairs. I grew where I knew he was being arrested Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I don't know how it happens Mm -hmm. I just do that more than not Mm -hmm. and I try and train new people and it really is exciting to be able to get the story and tell it when it's happening there's nothing, you talk about going to the city council meeting and there's nothing better, too, than be there when it's really – you can really interpret it, not have to go backwards, say, what did you see, and mm-hmm. have people tell the story that you didn't see.
0: Mm-hmm. Be there yourself,
1: yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, that's invaluable. Mm-hmm. And maybe the public thinks it just – we just get transported there. Right. It doesn't work that way. It's really hard. It's a hard, hard job.
0: Yeah, when people start talking about sort of, you know, the, the media and, you know, the media conspiracies, like you know – you're giving the media way too much, like, you know, sort of credit for being able to see the future or
1: being bought out by anybody. I don't see anybody shoving money in my pocket to cover a story. Yeah.
0: Or it's just like on the front lines, it yeah. all starts with the journalist, the reporter. What are you going to decide in your head yeah. to do? And that's the thing that people think there's like somebody controlling. Yeah.
1: No, I'm worried yeah. every morning when I wake up what I'm going to work on, and how it's going to turn out by six o'clock. I'm yeah. worried all day about that. Yeah. I am totally worried about. The final product to the point where we press send to put it in the server to put it on the air because that's the last chance you get to fix it. And that is not an easy way to run a life.
0: (laughs) You should see me on Thursdays with BizHawk. I mean, I try to get it like some things done, but I wake up and I'm like, today, by the end of the day, I would have three to four business changes happening. You know, what are they going to be? What are they going to be? And I got to get the photo, and they're better with an interview. Yeah. You know, get them on the phone. Yeah. You know, or go over there. But, um, it's just sort of
1: Then I'll know. try and post to some of my stuff early, like Tuesday or Wednesday to get you warmed up. Please do, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing
0: better than Thursday morning. I'm like, Whoa, subway, sur la table is closing, yeah. you know. Yeah. That yeah. sort of that sort of thing. You know, you mentioned that having that instinct. When I worked with Steve Malone, you remember Oh, him? yeah. No, he, he was. He was like that, too. Like, when we would travel together yeah. in the same car, he'd be like just in reckless driver, turns, you know, all around, you know. But he would always figure out a way to be ahead, or he would know where it was going to end, and he'd get that shot. And then I'd kind of, like, watch him do his thing. And he would park wherever. Like, he'd put his little press yellow thing in his window and walk out. And uh, you're just sort of like uh, – Wow, I can't believe you know that he had the foresight every time. Yeah. So it was always good. No, I would the, hear of things that yeah. I
1: would tell my cameraman, Steve Malone's going to have that shot on the front page of the paper tomorrow. Uh-huh. And the first thing they would say, especially the new ones, who's that guy? <laughs> and I said, you have no idea. And for the audience, he was a legendary, and God bless him, he was yeah. the greatest, yeah. legendary photographer for the news press that we revered at his ability to get the shot. Whether he was hanging in a tree, or outrunning the police, or making U turns in the middle of freeway, or something to get yeah. it, yeah, that, and that he was, passed away of, a, of an illness, and it was heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, I'd have all those stories, you know, with going out with him and Landon, and Michael Lyason, mm-hmm. and just sort of, you know, bunch of photographers. We've had a
1: we've had incredible fortune with our press photographers in this town. Yeah. And, and and also, it, it, one of the things you're kind of skirting around a little bit is that this town has had big stories. So you talk about, do you need to go to L.A. to get big stories? No, we've had every major rush fire you could ever want, these terrible tragedies of La Conchita and Isla Vista and the Michael Jackson trial oh my was goodness. here, right? Uh-huh. So we had all that. And on and on and on. Every every so often we have something that's of big enough level that you get your fill for a while. Right. You know, a Montecito mud flow event is going to tie you up for a year.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, With a conception, you know. Yeah.
1: And and even before that we had uh, way, way, way back in the day we had, you know, a plane Fall out a jetliner, fall out of the sky in San Luis Obispo, of an employee that shot his boss and uh, the pilot, and he crashed and things like that. When I was very beginning, and I said, "Wow, that's in Central California." You know, things happen here, mm-hmm. and more and more in recent years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you don't have to go to a big city to get uh, these kinds of uh, big stories, and even then, you just dominate your life for a while. I mean, everything is off. You you stop and say, did I pay all those bills? Is everything right? Did I miss a doctor's appointment? Did what what was I doing 4 days ago? Right. It, it's crazy. Yeah. And you know, they look and yet they still want a selfie with you not knowing that's what's whirling around in your head, <laughs> right?
0: Exactly. Well, uh, with you they think you're a, you know, you're the movie. They think you're the yeah. you're that guy. So, yeah.
1: so when is the movie going to be made? <laughs> I think it would be an interesting Mm-hmm. Uh, TV series. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if every reporter... You need an agent. And, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just one more thing to do. But but there's... I think it proves that in small towns, there's a lot of great stories and great drama and great characters mm-hmm. and great life experiences. If you just pull back, I often tell people I don't need to watch TV. Mm-hmm. This is the greatest reality show you could ever ask for. Exactly. If you look at it. Right. And if you get involved in it mm-hmm. and you see it in... Public meetings, you see it on the streets. Who needs to watch, you know, some The Bachelor or Bachelorette? Of course, that's your thing or whatever. Who needs to watch some of these other shows mm-hmm. through jungles and everything? I this know. is our
0: jungle. We even get American Idol contestants, you know, yeah. coming out of here. And that's,
1: you know, a headline story. <laughs> all right. But, uh, yeah, um, it's, it's the greatest reality show you could want to live if mm-hmm. you look at all the choices on this buffet table of news every day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not every day is the greatest buzz, um, you know, but but it, every day you're thinking about the next, day, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next week, the next month, what's coming up. And you might be fired up about something coming up while you're working on today's story mm-hmm. and can't wait for ta-da. And now that later on this year, uh, we'll have the presidential campaign, and, you know, there'll be candidates and high profile people coming through here and mm-hmm. we'll get some opportunities like we have in the past. And mm-hmm. over the career, you know, I've met. You know, Presidents Reagan, both Bushes, you know. I've been around for Jimmy Carter, mm-hmm. uh, uh, at Ford. I missed Obama at City College. I was out of town that day. Mm-hmm. And on and on and on, Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry for the first names or last names, not being the president in front of them and not doing proper journalism. <laughs> but I'm just trying to always make, president, yeah. make, up for, <laughs> make up for time here. Yeah. And uh And, you know, we had those opportunities. I mean, seriously, what community has these opportunities? Are you kidding me? And motorcades and big airplanes and and – Secret Service, and show me your credentials, and stand over there and wait three hours, and get cleared, and before somebody arrives, and all this frustration. And nowadays, if that would happen today, what would happen? We'd have to go three hours early, get screened, get smelled by the dog, wait in a press pan. Oh, it's so glamorous! (laughs) Wait, wait, wait! Be texting, trying to go live about nothing. Right. Right. And, and of course, that means do Facebook Live and do streaming Mm -hmm. and talk on your phone while you're trying to, uh, you know, get the story and do the interview and you're still streaming over here and you're doing that and you're still waiting for the person to arrive. Are you kidding me? Try that at home in your living room and see how that works out. It's so hard. (laughs) And then have to do it for the thousands perfectly. Uh And I said, wow, I really wasn't trained to do that. Yet it all has to be sort of sorted out in a half second in your head. And people don't you know, exactly see that part. And I don't know that I was ever trained. I didn't come out of that era. But then journalists of today are kind of picking up the technology and the flow pattern of that. So to great credit, you know, many of them can do the 10 things at once mm-hmm. um, and text. And I have two phones with me most of the time,
0: to, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: that way, you're able to just uh, be on multiple platforms at the same time. Or get with a text
1: his- from the boss and still be streaming at the same time as uh, you know any other urgent thing that might be coming through that I need to be aware of. Um, I can still kind of check them both. And I guess the other part of it is, um, do, if one of them should start to fail, as <laughs> case in point, um, the uh, we can power them up, and that would be. Uh, something I need to do. And plus, you know, it helps the uh, co- co-worker and with the camera person. If we need any extra equipment, I've got that with me. So often I have a, a usable camera. We can, we can go on the – I don't know if you know this. We can go on the air with our cameras now. I mean our phones now. So we can actually hit an app on our phone and transmit a picture to the TV station that can be looped on the air. So if I took my phone out right now and hit the app yeah. and put it on you and me – and set it here and back at the station they pushed a button we could literally go on TV now
0: wow that's amazing and I
1: could either use the speaker phone on the phone or I can plug a mic in and, and, and have a mic and go around and walk around and do whatever the phone can do mm-hmm. do you do that often I don't uh-huh. I can yeah. but um, I'm with a cameraman a lot so we use the real camera but we can transmit with that at any time now Anytime somebody just has to be in the receiving end to activate it I think they can do it from home now The other thing that's interesting with radio, they can take a laptop like yours with a program. For example, at KCLU, we can have uh, an opportunity to do a program interrupt. So literally from the approval they get, the guidance they get from the laptop, uh, they can interrupt the air signal and put a message on from the side of the road and then return to programming. You no longer have to have a human being in the station or drive there. If uh, the Thomas fire breaks out and we have a message, we can record it. Um, I believe it's recorded and inserted, but I think it can also be just interrupt and start broadcasting and then return. And we've never had that opportunity before in a remote way from the basic field reporters. Mm -hmm. Usually has to be someone in charge up there. And how great is that for instant help? Um, oftentimes you want to get that message out and get to the scene at the same time. And in the course of that, you're driving a car. Mm -hmm. So you you can't do that. (laughs) That's, that's not happening.
0: (laughs) Do you have anyone in town who doesn't talk to you? Who's like, just said, I hate that guy. And he's cut off.
1: There actually are a lot of, uh, of people. I, I wonder if they call me back, um, on time or late because they don't want to talk to me because they know I'm going to ask. Uh, okay. Um, but I don't think anyone shouted me down, hung the phone up and said, don't ever call me again lately. I do have people that don't like me just on, on the surface. Um, we do get a lot of interruptions of people giving us the finger yelling, foul language at us we're on the air mm-hmm. yelling offensive things to women. They want to get on the air, it's sort of a little game they play across the country. Not too much around here, but enough to be annoying. So we have to kind of blow it off. Um, you have to measure all that in the moment. 99% of the people are nice. Right. <laughs> and don't do that. And those that, that do. It used to be that when you went to Isla Vista, you knew you were going to get some <laughs> some lively people. And we've had water balloons thrown at us out mm-hmm. there and oranges and things I always tell people that. And, and a lot of crazies. Mm-hmm. So during the old Halloween broadcast, we learned about that. And that was the only place that happened. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have big street demonstrations of sorts that were like that, mm-hmm. but now it's everywhere. So you have to just kind of position yourself. So how do you get the story and get around that you kind of stop go, stop go? It's a tap dance around. but if you were to turn the light on in the middle of a of an Isla Vista street uh, to do an interview at ten o'clock at night mm-hmm. about even a an apartment fire, once the light goes on, it's no longer that's the story. It's a big mess of people. Mm-hmm. So you have to get a quick interview. Unless it's the fire chief. I mean, they don't do it so much around the fireman. But if you try to interview someone at the apartment building, it'd be chaos behind you. Yeah, It takes just that long. Right. So but with the phones, though, you can kind of get it a little quicker and get a phone interview without them realizing what you're doing. That's true, yeah. You In the whole stout. scheme of, uh, of getting the story, though, and I tried to talk about this earlier and I probably missed it there's so many choices out there on how things get delivered but the public the citizen journalists taking their phones out and getting a picture and transmitting it that the um, TV station will use sometimes beats the reporter getting there and that becomes the shot of the day right Having and, to compete with and that. we're out there saying hey uh, you know what about our stuff exactly. uh, it eventually gets used yes but but you know that there's you've been beat by who you don't even know who your competition was before you knew who your competition was right
0: you know yeah, now when you're out there, you just, everybody's a potentially a journalist. You right. know, I mean, a citizen journalist. Right. We had he a fire punch. at
1: Fairview recently with some seventy foot flames. Yeah. And on a homeless camp, of which I've covered, I didn't cover this one, but I was certainly on social media with it. But I've been on the reporter nearby. But I've been out there f- four times now mm-hmm. for these fires. This was the biggest, most visual one, and I had two <laughs> or three people who had the shot. Yeah. And for us to get out there, there'd be traffic in the way, mm-hmm. roadblocks. If you're not right there, you can't get in there to get the decent shot until you get spraying of water on the black stuff um, afterwards. But uh, the citizen got the shot, mm-hmm. and that's the shot of the day. Right. That's and right. that's who our competition is. Mm-hmm. And then they get it to Ed or to NewsHawk maybe sometimes, or us, and you're folding your arms at the sideline like, wow, <laughs> well, what? That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got lucky. That was my deal. <laughs> So, I tell you, citizen journalists are yet another form of competition,
0: right, and i 'm sure that they really enjoy i 'm going to get it before Paul and Terry does you know there's oh, the they motivation. send it to me
1: saying, "Do you want to use this? Give me credit, or uh-huh. how much are you going to pay for it?
0: Do they ask you that uh-huh.
1: sometimes they want money for it we, yeah. we don 't pay for it shouts. Yeah, yeah um, we do what we do, and it falls where it falls
0: um, I really appreciate you taking this amount of time to to talk about everything. Um, Is there anything you want to talk about that I haven't asked you about? Uh, That's like a classic newspaper reporter thing at the end. But, I mean, there's so much with you that um, I want to make sure that I just let, you know, I appreciate you taking time to sit down and talk. So is there anything you wanted to get out there and, and share?
1: I do worry that there's a certain core group of journalists. And I think there's a big gap between the core group of journalists that can tell the story of Santa Barbara and the next group that is coming together or not, because I don't know that. And I do worry about that a lot and a half for years. I mm-hmm. think I started this 10 years ago worrying about mm-hmm. who is going to still be around in a while. Fortunately, you still have some good mileage on you, <laughs> so you're going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I mentioned this to Tyler mm-hmm. over at the Independent before and Matt Ketman and Nick and um, – not I'm not so tied up with anybody in the news press anymore, and even at our station, you know, we have Beth, C.J., Tracy Lair. Um, they're long timers. You know, we've yeah. got some more years, but you know, we're probably in the window mm-hmm. of things changing. And you know, I do worry about what's going to happen after after that happens because there's a story to be told, and there's going to be a lot of things forgotten. Yeah. And we put a lot, a lot of time and years and gray hairs in this town. And, and journalism, and it's been awesome, but I just um, really hope there's there's a, a good, strong carryover because there's great stories to be told, and a lot of them lean back on what's happening now and what happened 10 years ago and 20 years mm-hmm. ago to tell the story forward. It's too great of a community to have a gap of 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 knowledge go and interpretations pivot, and people don't remember how things were or why it's important or why it's fantastic to understand things. Yeah. And the other thing is, is as much as people want a lot of hard news and the ratings go up on chases and fires and crime and this type of thing, there is a beauty in telling the, the features of Fiesta and the stories mm-hmm. of people making masks um, at a volunteer group in Carpinteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and educational things that are going on and UCSB stories that are sometimes on the sidelines and great things we don't even look at all the time because of these other splashy things. Right. Celebrities, fires, and tragedies right. of sorts, um, of you know, all that. And I I think there's a great value, but because content levels are shrinking and people are going by the wayside and contacts are being lost a little bit, I, I hope we can continue to find ways to foster great young journalists that – to see a value of here, even if they have to work two jobs. I mean, look at—we have a city council member who works at Trader Joe's. <laughs> I and mean, this is a town of two jobs. Yeah, if you can do it, and it works. Right, and that's a story to be told. A day right. in the life of a Trader Joe's clerk, who, by the way, city council is member. a city council <laughs> member making huge decisions, and is a is a rumored contender for mayor, yeah. and would be a, a a solid mayor if he was a mayor. obviously we're talking about Eric Friedman. Yeah. Okay, so we don't want people to to miss these things, and I just hope there's enough love for sustaining journalism by the the people with money and the advertisers to sustain that. And that's a big deal with me because, you know, in 10 years I may not be doing this. And I probably won't uh, be doing it exactly the same way. I mean, I'm in that window, and I've not had this conversation ever before in my career that I, I see that there's something that's going to happen yeah. ahead that's going to have me not doing this, whether it's personally want to pivot I stop working too much, um, before the industry changes too much and I won't be able to, or for health reasons or family reasons.
0: Right. People would be appalled if they knew how much journalists make in this town. Uh, It's lower than they think. (laughs) And uh, people this generation, they're so used to getting news for free. And so the idea of paying for news, sure, probably in this town, you know, because we do have a, a, a community that cares um, there are people who are going to donate yeah. money. Uh, but the idea that it's, you know, anywhere near enough to support uh, any sort of long standing sort of news crew, you know, it's yeah. sort of uh, it's it just doesn't happen. So, like, especially with COVID, with all the advertising going away and, you know, there there are the government bailouts, but that's just to kind of keep them going, you know, and so. It's not an expansion or anything. So that is sort of a, a tough thing, you yeah. know, is that that historical knowledge. And we see it on the city council, you know. They're they're all great. But, you know, when you get sort of a, a lot of turnover with the district elections, yeah. uh, you, you find them asking questions that uh, they should know the answers to, you know, because those questions have been answered before. And uh, But they're new and they're young and there's turnover. And so when you have the same journalists who are coming in and you like, you know, there's no history or no archive and they don't go back and sort of understand, well, what happened here five years ago? It does, it does definitely hurt, you know. So I, I am totally right with you in that I really enjoy it when I'm able to talk to a journalist who's got some historical context and can remember things that happened before. And it's tough because when you're young, you, you get – overwhelmed by the moment you think oh oh my goodness you don't realize that part of what a journalist does is also knowing how to say no no that's not a story or it's not the story that way or it's not the way that it's being pitched to you you have to be able to do it a few times before you develop your own confidence to say no i'm not going to react just because somebody's reacting it's not and we have that power so you know i think that there are some delaney smith who uh is my former student who works at the independent um she's amazing and she does a really good job now i
1: i was happy to have some conversations with her recently and i've told her i just really love how she's really embracing you know the story mm -hmm. she's doing and you can tell she's trying really hard and working super hard to understand and interpret these stories. Yeah. It's so obvious. It's really, I'm really glad that she's got a place
0: in our journalism community now. And, you know, the challenge for our community is to keep uh, the talent we get every now and then. It's the, the key is keeping them, having them stay here, and having them be able to, wait to find a way to make it work in this community. and. You know it's 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 tough, but uh, that's why I like I so much like talking to you and, and Nick and you know Jerry. You know Jerry's got his own little. Can you imagine what look what Jerry's done? You know yeah. with that damn blog he's yeah. got. You know and he's interviewing, he's zooming, and he's like making news out of nothing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of just interesting, but this is such a great town. You mentioned the photographers, but we have such strong journalists in this town. Yeah. You know over the years, and and
1: and here's 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 something that, that that's that's just. An asset like uh, you talk about a, a gold nugget in the middle of all this. We have a public information officer who's probably a, a you know the, a world class press photographer in oh Michael Lyason. <laughs> I mean, I'm driving to, to the scene of a fire and I look at the the tweet and there's a, a you know a jet airplane making a Foscheck drop on top of a hilltop full of firefighters. That's like that should be on the front of USA Today tomorrow. And I'm like, I haven't even gotten to the scene yet. And and that was that even a an on duty journalist that's our public information officer who used to be an honored and first class photographer for the news press and we're so fortunate to have him Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean what community has that name one i can't Uh in america i have no of no other person
0: as valuable as michael ison in that role and he's another guy like he posts a photo on instagram you know and it's like He posts a photo of a tree in the San Inez Valley with the moon rising behind (laughs) it, right? Thousands of lights. I'm out.
1: First thing I say, I'm not even going to try for that shot. I'm out. (laughs) It's like Fritz Olenberger with his Fiesta photos, and he does that on a voluntary basis, and he's a total feature story uh, to to get because he does all that on his own dime, and he's Mm -hmm. a world class photographer. Mm -hmm. And there's you know so many others out there, and there's so we're we're fortunate to have them, but you know appreciate that none of that's cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not free, and Instagram and Twitter make it look like it's free, but yeah, So um, the other thing I want to do say is that we have these young reporters. The most rewarding thing when they ask a question or are working on a story, and I have the source, and I'm busy, I, I can't even get to the story, and I've been sharing this phone number and sharing this background, and I'm talking as fast as I can to them, and they they get it. Okay, John, I get it, I get, it. I get, it. and then the story comes out a little bit better. And you help them with a little institutional memory and some of the moving parts, and ask this question or go to this location or here's the phone number that'll help you meet your deadline, and it works. That's a really good feeling at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And and that helps them, it helps me, it helps the pro- the team, the whole product really well. And that's that's got to happen. There's not enough people around every day. You you know you work with a three. You only have People out there a day covering the news or something. Maybe right. I don't know. It seems like it's small. I know we don't. We look bigger in promos than we are sometimes on the streets, <laughs> and um, but um, that we have some really good hungry reporters now that are, are really a really pleasure to work with. Even though we're all remote, we, we we're present. We know we can get to each other. Yeah, and uh, and I think they'll all do very very well.
0: Well, that's that's great that you do that. And just you know, as we wrap up, like know that you know. You've been doing this for almost 40 years, but you're an incredible inspiration for myself and young journalists and just people on the street. I appreciate it when I see, wow, he's breaking another story, he's still hungry. I mean, this is a guy who's like a legitimate celebrity in town, but you're still out there in the trenches working. You're not resting on your laurels, and you're working yeah. as – I mean, typically, like, it's always like the newspaper reporters who like, oh, you're working – like, you're working as hard or harder than anyone in this town. And uh, you're doing a great job, you know. So I, I'm, I I, really appreciate your your hunger and your ability to continue to tell the story. When um, you know you uh, could rest on your laurels, probably at hey, this point. If you I know to. my weak spots when I'm reading <laughs>
1: when I'm reading some stories in print and how deep they go and the quotes they have and the some of the the real data that I've had to like kind of process super fast for TV. You know, I I know I had a strong enough story. But I know as a longtime journalist back to the print days that, man, if I was to write this for print, I would have to really go a lot deeper and, and even work harder to make this happen. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, inside it's like I'm not adequate enough. I still say I didn't do a good enough job, even just understanding that in my head to be able to interpret that. So I do worry about my final product sometimes that it really wasn't good enough. Um, but I didn't know how much more I could squeeze into two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's this battle that again it's, it's probably an illness, and you're going to have the the documented words here <laughs> if some doctor wants to study us. <laughs> uh-huh. This is my speech to them. But we also don't have an unending amount in print either, right? And sometimes you got stories you want to just keep going. Mm-hmm. I mean, your your city stories recently was so good; it's
0: like it didn't end, right? Is that one of your longer stories? It is one of the longer news hawk stories that I've done. Must have been two thousand yeah. words or something. Yeah, Maybe I mean. More. I- and I, I if I could, I'd write like that all the time, but I have to remember you know it's like you know we're talking about who cares who remembers and who also can't do that you know, maybe
1: all the time. I don't want to reveal as much as you know just yet right until you see it play out yeah. um, and and we don't even talk about how you deal with anonymous sources and tips and don't mention my name or you mm-hmm. can use this but don't say where you got it from I mean yeah. how do you journalistically handle that and we could go on that in a whole other day. Maybe you can talk to Jerry Roberts about that when you have a soft spot in the show Yeah, (laughs) because we're loaded with those people out there uh, and you have to just pause and say, wait a minute, I haven't verified any
0: of this. Yeah, the amount of tips that come in or or as you know, the amount of people in the community who kind of want you to do their dirty work for you, Yeah, like you have to learn to not get caught up in that because sometimes if they're not willing to put their name to it, then there's a reason for that. Other times they have a legitimate reason in that they're afraid yeah. that something's going to happen to them, and that's a case when you would consider using anonymous sources. Yeah, but then
1: you're afraid of it's going to happen to you too if you're going right. to expose, uh, like you say, uh, a high-profile person that uh, is entangled in something, and then you might get blackballed for future stories. Yeah. and that happens a lot of times with, um, you know, either politicians or law enforcement people. Um, you know, uh, it could it could affect your ability to get information down the road, even right. though it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, there's been people who have not called back certain media agencies in this town in a certain order on their list or at all mm-hmm. because of coverage. Yeah. And that, when we started this business, didn't happen, I don't think. I think that they had to own up to it or they get called out in their publication. Right. And again, the public has no idea this is playing out. Almost every time we come to work, exactly. this is a possibility.
0: And that, that game you have to play is like, okay, is it worth it to do this? Yeah. Or if I don't, sometimes that's powerful. You tell the source, okay, I'm I'm not going to do this. I'll hold back for now. And then you're going to get more, more. Uh, you know, they're going to tell you more later. Yeah. And knowing when to do that, that's the uh, there's art There's a candidate of journalism. over
1: my career, there's a candidate that was ill and had to step out of a campaign mm-hmm. that was going to be a contender. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, I knew about it on, a, a, on a source yeah. and I waited until they held their announcement, mm-hmm. but I could have gone on the, on the moment. Yeah. And in these days, this is before Instagram and right. Twitter and Facebook. These days, you know, you would be nervous to grab your phone and tap, tap, tap. Guess what I heard? Mm. You know? And that's a hard one, but especially when it comes to health, I'll just say, I'd rather be second than First.
0: Yeah, I had something similar on the city council a long time ago, and I decided not to publish it um, and just sort of wait for it to play out on its own because – um, you know, scoops are great, but you don't want to scoop where you're actually, you know, invading somebody's privacy um, for, for not legitimate reasons or, you know, it's like something that should not be in the yeah. public eye. And uh, a lot of times people really respect you for those yeah. decisions. You know, there's a lot of distress for the media. And if you can remind them, hey, like I, I'm a human being too, yeah. that really goes a long way. Or,
1: or let's just say, oh, if you see a city council member getting a ticket, mm-hmm. is that news? Depends mm-hmm. what the ticket's for, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, if they it's get DUI. a DUI, it becomes news, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're held to a higher standard. Yeah. But if they get a ticket for, I don't know, let's just say, you know, wrong lane change, mm-hmm. you know, how much do you want to put that on? And where do you measure that? And who's going to, you know, salivate over that? Like, oh, gotcha. Right. Some gotcha journalism that just is, you know, it's not who you want to be. It's not who you, journalists should be. All right, it happened, you know. Right. But – You know what's the benefit? What's the next day going to be like? Oh, I was the almost like got the aha shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not so satisfied with that.
0: Yeah, and you run the risk of you know if the mayor gets anything, probably it's a story. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. but yeah, I mean those that's but that's the isn't that so much fun? It's like knowing when to and when not to, and And
1: some of our politicians are quite characters themselves I mean uh, there was something very uh, you know warm and motherly about Marty Bloom mm-hmm. I mean who could not like her but right. but there were some journalists in town that didn't like her and mm-hmm. made that known
0: <laughs> that's a whole other podcast right <laughs> that one. and and even <laughs> Helene
1: it was a character uh, she was a strong mayor a liked mayor but then she would also sing karaoke and yeah. she would also dress in a wacky costume for solstice, solstice yeah. this is a pretty bizarre city. Right. Right. Um so how do you
0: measure that, you know? Yeah, I never I've only heard of the legend of Helene's voice oh, that you know apparently she's got a very good singing voice. I I've, I've never heard it, but So yeah. I'll
1: reveal to you exclusively on this podcast that she was uh I believe, in the early stages of running for Congress and I was at a party with her birthday party. Mm-hmm. Uh, not uh, with her but i had attended and she had attended so we were both present yeah. <laughs> we did not go together yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was karaoke at the party uh-huh. and she wanted to sing something with me and she, uh, somehow in the courts of everything the sunny and share song i got you babe oh, what
0: a great one uh-huh. was
1: going to come up and i said oh i can sing that song she goes i'll be share and you be sunny we'll sing i got you babe uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know and i said Oh, wait a minute. This is going to get out on social media and you're running for Congress and I'm Uh, the reporter and you're the mayor. So, you know, forget that. Right. And so we never did it. Never did it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You remembered. Yeah. So
1: I'm, but you see, you can't even have fun at a birthday party Right. in a private
0: house, in a living room with a wacky karaoke. He's in her pocket. Right. You know? Was it salute? Would have yeah. called you up. Well, you got to sing karaoke with me now, too. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: so I ended up singing um, a solo version of uh, Light My Fire by the Doors. Oh, cool. And so that got out there. There's, there's a version out there. And I've and also seen uh, Love Shack. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> and when she hit Tin Roof Rusted, she nailed it. <laughs> uh huh. Very cool. Yeah. yeah and I've cool. seen her sing that with a band, too, in uh-huh. uh, places. So people don't you know there's just that's the fun stuff about this I don't know and again that didn't get on TV that was just the life that
0: I walked into Mm -hmm. yeah well John I really appreciate you (laughs) taking the time it's been it's been totally awesome so Uh, if you want to sing
1: karaoke we can do the Blues Brothers or something together I hope I didn't over talk uh, on your uh, bandwidth and there's more down the road another time anytime if
0: you want to pop me in well, just talking about the old journalism stories, you know, the, just that, and, you know, the things we did, and, you know, we're talking about my old days at the news press and Mike and, you know, St- just Steve and all those.
1: Now I go all the way back to uh, Ray Borges. Okay. And Bob Ponce. Oh, yeah. And Rafael Maldonado, Steve Still Malone, there? Len Wood. And Mike Eliasen; mm-hmm. those would be the names. Hope I haven't missed anybody. Jerry Rankin, of course, was a reporter for the Reagan administration, uh, yeah. the Reagan trips, and I was here during the Reagan years. Mm-hmm. And as a young reporter, that was really to die for. I mean, like, wow! Whether no matter what where you fall politically, to come into a town and have the president like vacation here, and you get to do
0: barbecues and interviews with the White House press corps back in the day. So, Steve, that's, Steve Malone and I went to. Uh, Uh, The Reagan Ranch one time. Yeah, Yeah, he loved Reagan, you know, and uh, we drove up there. Just the the stories, I mean, that's the thing. Sorry, going back, you know, when you're a young reporter, to be able to hear those stories, you remember them forever. You know, the stories he would tell about, you know, his Secret Service experiences with the Reagan Ranch and that sort of thing. You know, Mike said for 4th of July story. They told us, come up with a 4th of July story, a new angle. And so Mike and I drove from the county line to the other county line, Santa Barbara. And he, Mike's like, okay, I got these little American flags. So we're going to go and we're going to we're gonna put the flags in the hands of everybody. And you're going to ask them, what does the 4th of July mean to you? And I'm going to take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and that story was crazy. Because literally it's like person on the street. We would yeah. just drive around and be like, let's go talk to that person. Yeah, Let's go, you know. So we went to like the craziest places and, and did those things, you know. And I just, in this era of like independent contractors or part-timers or – It's just like, I just don't think that happens, you know, anymore.
1: Now, a part of our story, our journalism, is to go to a a set type of an interview or or a meeting. And some of it is literally just going up to people and getting their opinion about something. And that's a really raw uh, experience. uh, And it's even more so when you're carrying a camera. uh, And that is, you know, a pivot from you know a certain structure in journalism people think about from meetings and some of the other things but that is just uh, sometimes where you get your best stuff it's yeah. also quite hard to go through person after person after person after person before you get your soundbite that I think tells the story
0: oh yeah the amount yeah. of people who don't make it and don't know?
1: want to be on camera and get away don't have time for you and you just keep grinding away at everybody or, that walks by
0: what about you do this great interview right you get this great stuff and they don't want to give you their name yeah. you know and you're just like
1: can't do it <laughs> or you can't for us we kind of measure what they said and how much of it we want to use sometimes we just a quick pop and we don't put the name on the screen but there's certain levels of journalism that get there's a wiggle room in there somewhere if you think it's credible enough and last why. thing
0: how many of those palmentarias primetime uh stickers do you have Uh, Well, I never made them. Uh, I know. Some some kid did, right? Some kid. And then
1: another wave did. And then uh, a friend of mine who had a decal company made some. And those last batch came out in color. So I'll see if you get one. But, you know, I was always nervous about that because it became somewhat urban graffiti. Oh, yeah. They were being stuck up different places. Uh-huh. Someone made an illustration of me, for those that don't know, and said Palmetry is prime Time," And I've kind of stuck with that. And it's it's worked. It's on my Facebook. And it's been <laughs> fun. And, and for those that don't know, it looks like the most egotistical thing someone could do. But I just couldn't shed it. And I had to embrace it. But I really wasn't the designer of it. And I'm not going out saying I'm that great because I make mistakes so much, I'm scared of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, the ego is deflated about, you know, one hour into the day. (laughs) Well, er everybody
0: makes mistakes in their career, but journalists make mistakes. Everybody sees it. Yeah.
1: No, I said in baseball, uh, you know, you bat... 300 and you're going an, to you're an all star mm-hmm. in journalism you bat 300 and you're fired
0: <laughs> exactly you, you know tell
1: that to your students i know you know you got to bat thousand or nine hundred right and hope that the mistake isn't that bad
0: yeah you get a uh, you know three corrections in a you know six month period there's like there's a problem
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and and it's these days it's documented Much farther than the morning paper being thrown in the recycle bin. Mm -hmm. It could be found. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have stuff, uh, you know, that I've seen that, uh, you know, over time that, oh, wait, that's either spelled wrong or that's the wrong picture. It's hard to fix that stuff.
2: Mm -hmm. uh
0: I know.
1: And we're kind of ending with a flow. We're so good at
0: going on. (laughs) Well, we're going to have to do a part two at some point, you know, so I appreciate you taking the the time to to talk. Palmetry is prime time. And I think the cool thing is that you're just so like timeless and you're just out there every day, still kicking butt and inspiring every journalist in town. I know that. So I really appreciate that. Thank you very
1: much. And I hope I can be, you know, as good all the way to the finish line. I just want to be strong to the end. I want to run through the finish line and big you know, just as good, as hardworking, incredible as, as I've tried to be. And I, I don't know if it's going to end with a big splash or if I'm just going to end and say so long, everybody, and I'll see you in my next job. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know how it's going to end. But right now, there's no end in sight. It's just the foot's still on the gas. Yeah. And well, thank you for doing podcasts and expanding your journalistic base, your, your, your right in a great place in your career age-wise experience-wise and in the city so you're you're now really a great journalistic stake in this city and uh i like the way you guys are getting along the jerry show and Mm -hmm. people like that we're not nobody's really throwing a big elbow to knock somebody down and to get in front you know we get we get it and we get along great in this town the journalists are are really nice people
0: we have to support each other. We, we there's it's just not we don't have the yeah. luxury of being able to try to bring each other down. Um, you have to sort of support each other. If somebody else gets something you don't, you just kind of have to tip your hat and be like, "Awesome!" Because remember, you remember the day when you know. There are scoops everywhere. Yeah. You know, this is a big media town. So anyway, uh, thanks a lot, John. I appreciate your time. You can find more podcasts like this. Well, not really like this because <laughs> this one is extra special. But you can find more podcasts at Talks.com. And thanks to Kiva Cowork for supporting these podcasts. Today's podcast is brought to you by Goodwin and Tyne Properties. They've been in business for more than 16 years in Santa Barbara. Goodwin and Tyne offers full-service real estate brokerage with attorney-trained realtors who work together as a team to deliver their clients the most professional concierge service available. You can reach Goodwin and Tyne Properties today at 805-899-1100 or at www.gtprop.com. That's www.gtprop.com.